0: What is up, you beautiful people? This is Gary Horton. This is this is pro wrestling. Yeah, it's yeah. the podcast. Woo, cele-
1: woo. <laughs> all right, yay! <laughs> we're
0: here to celebrate the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest pro wrestling. It, no, no, today is just the greatest sports uh, sport of all time. You know, you get what we're here for. You know who we are. What's pro wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> it's 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 all about wrestling. That's what we're doing here today. On this show. And uh, as always, I'm joined by my hetero life mates. Uh, the William Martin. Wilson Martin.
2: William. Wilson. Yeah. There you
0: go. I think the William Martin William. is your nickname. And then Wilson Martin is your name. So it's like your wrestling name. The uh, William Martin. Wilson Martin. I yes. just
2: call him King,
0: okay. King, King,
1: King William. King William That's the Conqueror. I
0: like that. Yeah. Uh, I do it. like
2: that. Will the Great. And the man
1: bowing
0: at the knees. Of uh, Wilson is uh, the doctor
1: Rob Stitz said, "Hey Doc, hey guys, yeah, that's not so much that, but okay." The <laughs> not- <laughs> wow, I mean, you it's a mirror, me more of a yeah, but it's a it's a mutual, it's more of a mutual, you know, acknowledgement uh, among peers, not um, a bowing of the knee. I got Jabu right here, man. We're trying to pull out this Braves game, win this win this series, beat the Phillies for the first time this year. In a series, so d- come on, Gary, don't do that yeah. to me tonight, bro. I'm already struggling with my internet because of the storms here in the Chattanooga oh. area. Come on, man, don't be like that. We
2: gotta, we gotta keep the positive vibes going.
1: Yeah, yeah, you coming at me all negative already? Like I'm bound to people. Well, she uh,
0: hopefully feel a little bit better and tell us what that thing is down at the bottom
1: corner of your screen. This thing, first of all, this is Jabu. Don't don't Whoa. disrespect. He hears you. He hears you. And right now he's giving us a five to one lead uh, in Game Three of this series. So respect, please, Gary. For uh, for in in the name, in the sweet name of Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews, please don't disrespect Jabu. I've got okay. his glass full. We're breaking bread. We're supping uh, from the same cup tonight. Let's talk pro wrestling.
0: All right, all right. Well, uh, we are going to talk pro wrestling. <laughs> And we're going to talk about famous mothers in pro wrestling. We're going to, we got, we got all kinds of stuff we're going to do. But mostly, I just want to say right now hello to John Farmer and Dave Scooby and Eric Dale and Willie Bowen and uh, Ryan Romano, of course, uh, front rows in the house, RJ Krasinski. We got, we got them all here. Everybody who's anybody right now uh, is in this chat room. And that's, this is the elite. This is uh, this is being the elite. AEW don't know nothing about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Eric Dale saying uh, Rob will bow if Nick Aldis tells him to bow.
1: Oh man, that a so that's the thing. The that's a, that's that's. I mean, that's just a that just be Eric who I respect. He's an NWA fam. This is my boy. But that that betrays a, a misunderstanding amongst the NWA fam and amongst greatness. Nick Aldis does not ask the doc to bow uh, again that uh, Nick Aldis consults with the doc so um, you know but I, I will tell you out of out of recognition of his greatness he don't need me to tell him to bow I bow I, I bow the knee to the great one
0: all right well love that speech that was good Uh anyway so it's good to have all of you here with us oh well,
1: I, hey, hold on now you left off no 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 no. you left on
0: Rosa man rj did i forget brian rosa i can't believe oh wow i did oh hey, brian i'm so sorry i saw your name too up there and uh, i would never Man. purposefully
2: um, here i'll make it up to you, you. Up. mission pro Boom. wrestling
0: hat.
1: <laughs>
2: there it is <laughs> repping
0: Y'all, I got to meet Brian Rosa in person for the first time last weekend. And, uh, let me tell you, uh, his pictures don't do him justice. He is more handsome in person than words can describe. Like you have to, you have to see it to believe it. You know why Thunder Rosa has picked a winner and a husband. That's, that's, that's what's going on there. That, that is, you want to talk about power couples. The Rosas are a power couple and, uh, I can't, I can't say enough good things about Brian Rosa. And seriously, even though I sound facetious, he did uh, set us up at a beautiful spot there at Mission Pro Wrestling. We got to watch Locked and Loaded, and I had the time of my life being there live at that show at Austin. It was fantastic. So uh, big shout out to uh, the Cervantes or Slash Rosas. And uh, the only thing missing was Ryan Romano. I don't know where that dude was at. He was uh we called him though. We called him on the phone.
2: Was that the only, only thing missing? No. And mm, uh, yeah. we all, no, oh, uh, Lindsay gonna... Snow
1: was Lindsay, Lindsay Snow was also oh. missing.
2: Oh yeah. What I was yeah, I was <laughs> yeah.
0: Obviously, we would have loved to have had our third member of the bearded trio there as well. But we you we always keep you at our heart, is the problem. So it's hard to tell when you're not like physically there, you're always uh with us. What did I say? It was it was but Gary. You said Austin. You said well, Austin. It's, it's okay. I stayed in Austin. But, yes, it was in Buta Texas, uh, which is also right. a cool enough place, too. I really only got to see Buta that one night. Pinball's Kingdom, though. Rob, we talked about this a little bit. And that is – that was amazing. Uh, I loved – this is a cool wrestling venue. And uh, it's going to be where people make pilgrimages to, as uh, Rob put it there. Yes. It's going to be one of the sacred spots of pro wrestling.
1: Oh my gosh, you talk about Daly's Place, you talk about uh, the GPB Studio, and then you got to talk about Pinball's Kingdom, the capital, the heart of MPW country. These are right now emerging as the great pilgrimage destinations, uh, in, in the sport. And uh, you know, if you've not been there, this is one of the most fun locations to go to. We dream of the day that the whole trio is there with Ryan Romano, with Front Row, with Brian Rosa, uh, treating us with all the utmost hospitality that he can, maybe with some of the, the NWA talent. Polka, Polka Dot Pam has been there before. We'd like to have Donna Wrestling out there, Heather Hungry, um, you know, Sandoval, all of the NWA fan, Mass Fan, all those guys. We'd, we'd love to, to just have an NWA reunion out there in Buda. Um, and it's just one, a fabulous romantic location. Um, it was a rainy night, but we were under a canopy, and uh, the drinks were flowing. The lights were on. The fan, the the crowd was just—you can't beat the the energy in that crowd. And uh, I mean, you guys see it. All you got to do is go 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 to Title uh, Match Network and and get your replay or subscribe for nine ninety nine a month, I think, and you get that and all kinds of other stuff. But you cannot beat the energy at Mission Pro. And we got to see some great action. We got to see uh, uh, my queen, uh, uh, Rachel Rose, in action. Of course, we got to see La Rosa Negra successfully defend the belt. We got to see some great mother-son action here on Mother's Day as we honor that. Uh, between uh, Anakin and Thunder Rosa, we'll get into that later. Um, and we got to see Genocide and Holiday. Uh, I mean, it was phenomenal. It was a great night. And we got to spend it with our brothers and sisters over there at the Nation Show. Um, and the busted open nation, uh, comrades for sure. Uh, it was a fantastic, uh, ex- experience. Well, Rob, I, I think, uh,
0: will you know, not to put Will on the spot. I don't think you've had a chance to see it yet, right? Like you haven't had a chance to watch locked and loaded, right?
2: No, not yet. No.
0: Okay. So, so I don't want to, uh, you know, belabor the point just in, in that, um, Rob and I should do a proper, uh, maybe we'll, when he gets the chance to see it or something, we can do a proper like recap show completely this week or something. If we can, uh, work our schedules into it and stuff like that. But if here in the chat and you folks at home and, and Rob, uh, the, what would you say like to somebody? So, so on the card, for those who haven't seen it, you got to see the Wode take on Alejandra the lion, uh, Dolce Tormenta, I think is what she went by, uh, uh, Jasmine Allure fought Th- those two fought, uh, Roche Chanel, uh, fought, uh, Lila Gray, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, Viprus, uh, and Vita, uh, took on Masha Slamovich, uh, in a three-way. And, uh, there was Genocide versus Holla Dead, Falls Count Anywhere. Mm-hmm. There was Maddie Rinkowski versus Tesha Price, Rachel Rose versus Roxy, Alex Gracia versus Marty Bell and La Rosa Negra took on red velvet for the mission pro world's heavyweight championship. It's a stacked card. Uh, I was just curious with where I was going with that is those are the matches. What, what do you think people have to check out? Like if they're short on time and they're going around, they want to get title match network this week. What was your, what was your favorite, uh, part of the show?
1: Gosh, man, uh, the surprise appearance by Masha Slamovich was awesome. She's becoming a really intriguing talent. The match of the night for me, I mean, look, you got lots of highlights, obviously. Like uh, we, we saw going around on Instagram, um, LaRosa Negra may be the best. She may be one of the best champions going today, regardless of gender, regardless of promotion. She is dominant. She is a class act. She's an absolute consummate professional. And that match with red velvet was phenomenal. So she, any discussion of like, who's got it going on right now. You got to include La Rosa Negra in that picture. Of course, um, the exchange between David LaGreca, who's a friend of our show, uh, uh, and, uh, LaMera Mera and, um, Anakin was incredible. Like my mouth was dropping when they cracked that. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much for those who haven't seen it. I'm, uh, I'm sure everybody knows, but, uh, they cracked that bottle over the the dude's head, man. And I was like, "What just happened?" That was cool. But for me, the highlight of the night, bar none, was Genocide and uh holla Dead. No doubt, they stole the show. It was an epic, brutal physical contest. They were all over the place. They were literally right in front of Gary and I. I mean, we felt we caught sweat droplets or oil droplets or whatever that was coming off of Genocide, do- Doggone. Uh, uh, hydraulic fluid or whatever and it was uh it was in incredible intense it spilled all over the place and i'm sure if you watched it on title match network it spilled across the screen into your living room it was it was fantastic but there's lots of great stuff I And mean, the show was stacked it was energetic it was nonstop. i don't feel like there was ever a point in the show gary where the momentum led up
0: yeah, I don't think so either, and, and I'm with you and Mongrovia, Mike, and Scooby in the chat. My favorite match of the night had to be Genocide versus uh, Holiday. That match was incredibly physical, and just, it, it was a blast to watch. Uh, but, anyway, so I, those are some things to look out for. David LaGreca, her, his uh, interaction with Thunderosa Rosa and Anakin, uh, definitely uh, a highlight as well, and uh, just a uh, just a lot of exciting stuff. Of course, we love seeing our girls, Alex Gracie and Marty Bell. Also, that was just a good, solid, technical wrestling match uh, between the two of them. and uh, So can't ask for more than that. Uh, and yeah, I see Roche Chanel getting mentioned a lot. Becoming a big fan of Roche Chanel. Just uh, a lot of fun to see in the ring. Uh, my wife was especially annoyed by Tesha Price. Uh, was happy that Maddie Rinkowski uh, beat on her
1: and... What, what man, is that? I really like Tesha. Pri- it's her, <laughs> she's quirky, man, but I kind of like that. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, I'm a big Matty Rikowski fan. Uh, but Tesha, man, she she's quickly becoming a, a name, like a big name. And she, we've she seen is. her a lot on AW Dark, but I like, I like her mannerisms, man. I think they're, they're kind of endearing.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing with Tesha Price is the wife, uh, disliked her for all the right reasons, uh, just because of the, uh,
1: <laughs> because
0: she's very, uh, she was uh, what what is it? Overbearing in the ring with her attitude and just uh, her frustration and screaming and stuff like that. So she thought she was just kind of big, childish, basically. Uh, so that was it. So she was hmm. happy to see uh, to see uh, Mattia uh, punch her a few times. So she thought she was she was being kind of a baby in the ring. Is basically what was happening. Those are all the right reasons, right? Like not that Tesha wasn't doing her job. I also. By the Hmm. way, I'm a fan of Tesha Price. I feel like she's watching right now. Now I'm going to get beat up. But uh, (laughs) anyway, (laughs) Uh, Ryan Romano, see the exact opposite. Tesha is intimidating. I loved the screaming during her match with Maddie. And uh, I don't know. Jennifer was sitting next to me just like, why is she acting like a child? Maddie needs to slap the taste out of her mouth. That kind Hmm.
1: of thing.
0: So anyway, glad to have you all here. Welcome, James Lawrence. Welcome, Neil Benedict. Thank you guys for showing up. And uh, so we were just talking a little bit about Mission Pro Wrestling, but now we can jump on to some other stuff. Uh, yeah, and I get it, Ryan. Maddie is also not the embodiment of maturity either sometimes. So she, you know, they're, they're, they they are both got attitudes. It's the thing. So anyway, all right. So what should we do first? Should we play some Mother's Day games? Should we, uh, did you guys all uh, in the chat if you're, mobs available to do it did you all call your mama did you talk to her uh like the old brodus clay somebody better call your mama did you call her did you tell her you love her got to do it on mother's day will did you speak to your mother
2: oh yeah i went to her house i hung out with her all afternoon all so, right yeah
0: well there you go i uh yeah I, I got it in right before this show so uh hopefully you all called yours and uh Anything else you guys want to talk about before we jump into some Mother's Day fun for the wrestling show here that we're doing?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the wrestling <laughs> show that we're doing. Oh, this wrestling show that we're doing. Okay, yeah.
1: Ah,
0: <sighs> welcome, Caleb. Good to see so, you,
2: buddy. So, so
1: new little pro. This little new little project we got going on. Yeah, thank you
2: for <laughs> for bearing with us.
1: Can I, uh, if
0: I could real quick before we uh, jump into this, I do want to self-promote something really quick. Um, If you guys haven't already, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do if you're new here and watching or something. It would help us out greatly. We're trying to hit a 1,000. That's the current goal. We want to get there. We're grateful to everybody that checks us out on the NWA post show, but we're also trying to build up our own uh, channel here. So uh, if you got any people, you can tell that like, wrestling conversation and stuff like this, just hanging out just like this, please tell them about us so that they can also subscribe. Uh, That would be amazing. And if you're not following us on the podcast uh, also there would be awesome, but in both places, if you have not yet listened to the interview with Tom Latimer, we would greatly appreciate it. If you checked that out, Tom Latimer has not talked publicly like in the interview format, really in, a very long time. Um, as some of you know, I mean, there's there's reasons for that, and and Tom's been kind of hesitant to get back out there. But Tom's been going through a lot of stuff lately, and uh, and, and in a good way, I mean, like uh, just as far as uh, life situations, you know, obviously he's engaged to Camille, and uh, he's got this great gig at the nwa where he is regularly featured and dominating in the pro wrestling industry and so he was happy to get out there and talk to everyone and and so uh luckily he came and he hung out with us and uh we hope you'll check out this interview it's available right now with tom latimer and he is unlike he's he's in a way that you've never seen him before you always see the angry tom latimer the violent tom latimer tossing people around to wrestling ring but in this one he gets into a lot of heartfelt discussion about a lot of different topics and uh i'll just play a quick little two minutes here just so you can check it out just to see what i'm talking about where he gets a little deeper
3: when i kind of look back at my life i go wow what and don't get me wrong i'm very grateful now and i'm in a, such a good position and i've got a great relationship and like you know i, I can run a household and i sort of just grew up but i just look back at those 10 years ago why did you quit drinking 10 why did it take you 10 years and there were so many chances so many opportunities and i just honestly thought i was i was fine and i was against the world and i was angry and drinking also helped me never deal to deal with any of my feelings it helped me to it helped me to just not care and so when i did quit because i tried to quit for several years then finally with, with the help of Kaylee and whatnot it, that was it. it was it was time even though there was a million events that should have been the time Once I once I finally gave it up there was no crutch if I got angry there was no crutch you know if, if something bad happened I, so I, you have to deal with everything when you've not dealt with 10 years of your behavior and your emotions and what you've done to people and the friends you've lost and the marriages that that have that have gone that have gone away and the, the people that you've hurt—it's a lot to deal with. So you know, but it like again, it was a, the best thing that, that I ever did, and I never thought I'd be able to stay. I'm and of course I always have to be careful, always, but I never thought I'd be able to get to a position where I'm like I'm sober. I never thought I'd be able to do it. When I look back at all the opportunities that I've blown all the people I've upset, how people view me and think of me. Um, it's, you know, like I said, I wish I'd have quit 10 years ago.
0: So there you go. That's just a little taste of it there. But Tom goes on to tell plenty of stories. There's a lot of, I mean, I know that stuff was kind of heavy, um, but I just want to give you an idea of the personal detail that he goes into. And uh, he goes into even more detail about some of the mistakes he's made and that sort of thing. And by the way, owning every bit of it. And uh, as he makes this journey into trying to better himself as a person. And um, anyway, uh, just uh, just I I had a lot of fun and Doc, you were there for some of it, too. And uh, it was just a a lot of fun getting to know Tom and and talk to him like that. And and by the way, it's. also, not all that heavy because he uh, definitely has some really, really fun stories too. Um, the towards the end, there's a great story about him tearing his butthole. So uh, you'll have to tune into the uh, to the interview and check that out. It is available now on the YouTube channel and on the podcast.
1: Man, yeah, it's uh gosh, man! I, I, uh, to, to to land this interview, of course, this this speaks to Gary's ability to to. Guys, I, I'm biased. Will and I are biased. We we have a great team. All of us brings gifts to this uh, project that we do together. But when it comes to the interview, Gary is the best. Adam, man, Gary has a way of uh, being, of being of humanizing his guests and putting them at ease. And just because he's a great guy and just his manner of speech, you, know, you guys hear just on on this. It's not rehearsed. It's not any training he's been to. It's just who he is. And uh, to be able to be a part of that interview was cool, but to listen to the way that Latimer opens up. And I just think that that it calls us to, to question ourselves. And uh, when in this age, especially in this like cancel culture age, when we uh, we want to hold people accountable, uh, which we ought to, but then we don't ever want to let a a person get back up and, and dust themselves off and, and redeem themselves. And uh, this is a man who's uh, who is saying, look, I, you know, what's happened is what's happened. I own it. You know, I'm not making any excuses. There's really dark things. And the, the, the things in my heart, I cannot excuse those things. I'm not even going to try to, but now that that's been done, listen, I'm, I'm in the process of changing. I'm a, I'm a changed person and I'm trying to move forward. Um, and I think that he deserves a listen, you know, he, at least he deserves a listen. And I think that's what Gary has provided us with. So kudos to you, man. Great interview. One of your best. I put this right up there with, uh, with the uh, the Marty Bell interview is probably uh, your best interview.
0: <clears throat> Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. That's uh kind words and uh kind words in the chat too. Thank you, uh, Brian Rosa, for listening to it and uh, appreciate you checking it out. And uh, yeah, Eric, I hope you'll you'll check it out. I um, you guys are being really sweet about it, but yeah, it it's it's we we really we just have like certain people, and there's going to be more. There's already more in the bank next week. I'll. Uh, or this coming week, I'll have another one coming out, and uh, it was another person I really wanted to talk to, and and I think I got kind of out of the interview game for a little bit. Uh, sorry if I'm going off on a tangent here, but I wanted to have something to give back to with it, which is interesting because I don't know if you've followed Alex Zander Hammerstone's Twitter here recently where he's been uh, going back and forth with people about um, podcasts and uh, doing interviews for podcasts and you know, talking about that he, people think he's not being grateful, but he was saying like, listen, but you also have to be respectful too. And there's a, he's like, I know that you're putting me on your platform, but some of you have like 500 people and I have 50,000. And so there is an exchange that's happening between the two of us. So there's respect that goes both ways and something has to be there for both of us. And and it's, it's interesting that he brought that up because, that's what I had been thinking about. And so an interview with a guy like Tom Latimer is like, what can we provide at this uh, platform, you know, for a guy like Tom Latimer? And it's that, it's like a, a place for him to speak and to express himself and that hopefully people will listen. And uh, anyway, so that's all. I just wanted to point that out. It was just nice. to, It felt good to be able to give him a spot to speak in and a place he felt comfortable to also talk about everything that was going on in his mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think too, man, you know, uh, and, and we are in the podcasting community and we have friends here in this, in this very chat that are actively involved from RJ to front row, uh, to others. And I'm sure people will listen in on Spotify and whatnot. And I guess my advice to you, uh, since we're, we're in a, we, we have a certain fraternity here. Um, and I don't mean that to, 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 you know, assert any kind of maleness or anything like that. But we have a certain community among podcasters where if you're going to do this and the way you get uh, these, uh, these athletes, these men and women who, who sacrifice so much of their bodies and their time and their blood, sweat and tears to come onto your show. Um, not only do you need to be aware and informed about the sport, you need to know what you're talking about, but two, you need to respect them, you know, At at base, I think most of them just want to be respected, and uh, when you go out there with your common litany of questions that they can go and find out, anybody can go and find out on Wikipedia. It really demeans their time and them. You know, if you're going to bring them on to your show, ask them the questions that you know that, that that be respectful about it, but ask them questions that 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 are that pretend to show interest in them as people in them as athletes and them as people, because we're talking about athletes. But we're also talking about human beings here and they have a story to tell. They're, they're performers. They, uh, they, uh, again, they lay their, their bodies on the line every single day. They work hard. The life of a pro wrestler, a pro wrestler is not easy. It's not glitz and glamor. I mean, they're making the towns they're They're putting in lots of miles. They're not getting a lot of financial return on investment, Uh, you know, I mean, they are, if they're working hard, but you got to work hard to do that. But when you want to get them on your show to have them talk to you, you've got to respect them at base, do that. And then show some interest in them as people and let them tell their story because a lot of them do want to talk. They just don't want to be asked. What's your favorite opponent? What's your favorite hold? What's your least favorite match? Look, you can find that on Wikipedia. Know the people don't just have them on just to have them on talk to them like individuals talk to there needs to be a point to your discussion. And when you do that, like Gary always does, you're going to find that you're going to get a following. You're going to get a pretty good product at the end of the day.
0: The um, yeah. I mean the, the thing with those kind of questions is like sometimes they're fun. And if you're genuinely curious, you can ask it in a genuinely curious way, but uh, you know, one, one of the fun things I like to do is to, I'll listen to a bunch of interviews with this person if they've got them. And, uh, and then I like to try to find like points that I find interesting in those interviews that I want to expound upon. Um, with them you know like i've heard you say this i'm curious like what's the what would be the follow-up question to that that maybe the other person might have missed or you know they just didn't get to or whatever but anyway so yeah they do get asked a lot of the same questions all the time and i i think that's where i was for a little bit there too starting to worry about like am i just doing this same thing you know or are we providing something so I, I think we're going to start doing that. I think some of these interviews that are going to be coming out, you, you guys will see. I think we're going to get some good conversations out of these people and, and learn a lot. Uh, Brian Rosa says they're going to start making up elaborate stories for every time somebody asks Thunder how she got started. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's crazy. Exactly. That's what you
1: should, do. You should, you should like, exactly just make what a totally I'm talking about. Story. <laughs> I was in the graveyard. And I was in the graveyards of Tijuana. <laughs> Nearly in, <been>. 19, <laughs> in 1998, <laughs> I was
2: abducted. By aliens and they told me <laughs> you need to go wrestle so I did there it is so now
0: you know where Thunder Rosa came from alright well uh, I found an article about the most memorable mothers in pro wrestling and uh, so if you guys want to we can go through that um,
2: I think this comment is the perfect lead in to this segment <laughs> Because uh, it perfectly <laughs> probably- sums up what we're about to cover. And I will I will give a disclaimer here. Uh, G- Gary and I were talking about these before the show, and uh, I think it's more apt to call this segment the top ten ways WWE has belittled motherhood over the years.
0: Well, to be fair, they're not all WWE, so... Okay, that's true. Roll with that, but... That's the other reason. So if you guys are down I'll throw this in there. Rob unless you have something cuz you look. Rob, you look like you're just already frustrated. Uh, <laughs> you're what? just like he's you. like you're
2: that's just his face, man. You that's got resting Rob face. face. He's got resting yeah, Rob face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: see,
2: that's just normal. Uh.
1: This is what you All look.
0: right. <laughs> I see some names dropped in the chat uh already and uh and ta- oh, a couple man. of those you're gonna see them pop up in this list. But uh let's let's go. This is uh from goliath.com, and it was the 10 most memorable mothers in pro wrestling. Uh they said they the whatever the case, here are the instances where someone's mother really made an impact in the wild and woolly world of professional wrestling. That is uh what we got. Number 10 listed uh, as the number 10 most memorable mother is vicky guerrero look at that Oh, vicky says vicky guerrero was one of the most irritating and evil authority figures ever seen in professional wrestling but it really shouldn't come as a shock that someone who was married to eddie guerrero knows how to play a really good heel character more importantly for this list before she rose to an on-screen power within wwe vicky guerrero's original appearances on wwe tv came as the mother of eddie's children including one shaw guerrero who would train to become a wrestler and would later appear on NXT years later and at Mission Pro Wrestling. I think she, did she ever show up at Mission Pro? Yeah, I think she did.
1: She did. She, she
0: was a guest announcer. That's right. Uh, during a ridiculous storyline, which revealed that Eddie was somehow the father of Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic. As a result, we got to have several weeks of Vicky hurting her children around backstage while pleading with Eddie to stop torturing Rey and his family. Everything culminated in a ladder match that saw Vicky Guerrero get involved and knock Eddie off the ladder in a last-ditch effort to get him to give up his current path of destruction. Powerful stuff. Sorry, that should have been powerfully ridiculous stuff that left most wrestling fans scratching their heads. So number 10, Vicky Guerrero. Congratulations, Vicky. You, you are memorable. All right. All right. <laughs> I could see Will laughing and then I just feel like I'm hung out to dry here.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, I mean no, you, you, you Ron's like, it right, I man. got
0: nothing to say about any of this trash. And yeah,
1: <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah. Keep I'll be here anyway. to, to show my contempt. Uh, we're
0: we're celebrating <laughs> mothers. We're crying out loud, people. Uh, let's see. Anyway, I do genuinely think. Vicky is a, a lot of fun though. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. All right. Number nine. See, they're, they're teasing you though, because Vicky Guerrero is just legit a wrestling mother. And so is number nine here. Um, That is going to come in as the lovely Helen Hart. Stu Hart's the one that gets all the credit for the heart dungeon, the raising an entire clan of professional wrestlers, But according to many people, including Bret Hart himself, Helen is the power behind the Hart family, running the financial side of Stampede, while also raising a massive family. When the Hart family feud between Bret and Owen made it onto WWE TV, Helen and Stu made several appearances as well. in perhaps the most memorable appearance by the Hart matriarch, Helen was directly responsible for Bret Hart losing the WWE Championship to Mr. Bob Backlund at Survivor Series 1994, when she listened to the manipulative pleas of Owen Hart and threw in the towel on Bret's behalf to give Backlund the victory. Ladies and gentlemen, there she is, the lovely Helen Hart.
2: I will see. They're 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 it's going new, in with like legit
0: wrestling mamas, right? Yeah, they're so,
2: getting, they're 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 getting us. They're baiting us in. Let's keep, let's go.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, well, all these people <laughs> in the chat be like trying to guess all these like random silly storylines. that this ain't yeah. that kind of list. This is good mamas. This is it's going to take everything seriously. I don't have a picture for this next next one. I'm just going to tell you they rated number eight as Randy Orton's many different wives. That's what they oh, put. Oh my here.
2: gosh. Oh God, now Rob's completely. <laughs> hey, I, I,
1: in the in the words of the great Caleb Harvey, I'm just here so I don't get fined.
2: <laughs> we will find you. We will find you. I'm in just
1: all here fears, so man. I don't get fined. Uh,
0: anyway, it just says that. Uh, basically, it says that despite Orton looking like a emotionless tattooed cyborg, uh, Orton's wife has been played by a different actress uh every single time she's made an appearance on television um, officially orton married his first wife in 2005 uh they divorced in 2013 and orton has since remarried had a first child in 2008 who have uh who has also appeared in wwe on tv which technically means that any actress playing his wife since has also been pretending to be the mother to his daughter There's something to be said about the fact that WWE would put Orton's infant child on TV, but decided to pay an actress to play his wife. We're just not sure what, uh, this also harkens back to a story told by Mick Foley who married an actual fashion model in real life only to see WCW pay a woman to play his wife at a series of vignettes because nobody would believe cactus Jack's wife was hot.
2: (laughs) I mean, that makes sense though. (laughs) Um,
0: It says, sure, we made a small logical leap to get Orton's fake wives on this list, but we mostly just wanted to make a joke about how many different women have played Randy Orton's wife on WWE TV over the years. So that's why they threw those in. All right, you fanatics. Number seven on this list. You bunch of animals. It's going to be the lovely Mae Young. Look at her.
2: Nothing scandalous here, just your classic... Yeah. Classic female wrestler. Exactly.
0: If you think you know where this is going, (laughs) I'm going to warn you right now that you are absolutely correct. And any emotional distress you suffer by continuing (laughs) watching this video is your fault. Okay.
2: That's a good disclaimer. (laughs) That's good.
0: During the Attitude Era, Mae Young entered into a relationship (laughs) with sexual chocolate Mark Henry. Which was exactly as uncomfortable to watch as you might have guessed. And up and to up the comedy factor, somehow Young became pregnant and eventually gave birth on an episode of Raw, which was just well, it's indescribable. So we have pictures here. Uh the fact that you the fact that it legitimately caused Gerald Briscoe to vomit on live TV says more than anybody on this show ever could. Oh yeah. And she actually gave birth. As you can see there, we've included photos (laughs) as Will covers his face. She actually gave birth to a rubber hand because this was the WWE Attitude Era, the one that everybody says was one of the best eras of all time, perhaps the best era of all time, and uh, (laughs) most things actually made zero sense. Uh, The joke doesn't end there, though, because years later, as you can see in this picture on an anniversary episode of Monday night raw, a man dressed up as a giant hand appeared claimed to be may Young's son proving that WWE has never met an angle. They aren't willing to call back at some point and pretend it's hilarious. <clears throat> so uh, there you go. Number seven, may young just look at those photos. I mean, it's very rare you get to see like the baby like right at the time of birth and then all growing up. It's beautiful. Um anyway. Uh Willie Bowen, uh I think you've made the most insightful comment about this. Uh and I couldn't agree more, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Are we are we I'm still like, going?
1: What? What in the name of James Lawrence's contempt for the WWE was going on there? <laughs> uh, Ooh, all right. Oh my gosh.
0: Well, it's not going to get any easier, everybody. Because
2: next up on the list, we've got. What, is you,
1: what are you doing, Will? <laughs>
2: <laughs> a- I just don't want. I just don't want. I don't want that to be a clip, and then somebody come up and then see my face. <laughs> i mean i know my name's down there but i'm trying to just
0: will will is will feels like we're being offensive to mamas here
2: i don't feel like you're being offensive to mamas i feel like you're being offensive to wrestling fans which is <laughs> our target audience <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a mother's
0: day <laughs> episode we got to talk about these things all right fine. so number six on the list is the lovely lita you don't remember lita had a kid mm. lena had a kid do you remember the daddy oh it was Ooh. kane it was kane remember when he knocked up lena that one time whether or not lena counts as a mother depends on your personal definition i guess but she was impregnated by kane's demon seed in like 2000 and something i don't remember anyway uh demon scene. somehow she ended up <laughs> have a <laughs> maternal feelings towards that child. This is, this is deep stuff. All right. This is WWE. Yeah. This is um, so, uh, she had maternal feelings, even though this child was the result of an unwanted sexual encounter, apparently. So I'm not sure this would play today. Actually. Now, the more I think about no, this, listen, no, no, none of these, <laughs> I'm like, not going to try to justify I mean, this. Uh, it's terrible and it's uncomfortable. Uh and it, uh, included more than a few unfortunate implications. Uh, the important thing thing is that it ended as wrestling pregnancies always should do. <laughs> no, not should do. Of um, uh, it was the, uh, tasteful accidental miscarriage as a result of an accident in the ring. And somehow she lost her unborn child managing to unite Kate and Lita as a couple, uh, which seems probably like a logical turn of events. Um, and, uh, the also it also led to the scene over to the right there, where Gene Snitsky made fun of them by drop kicking a baby into the crowd. So, there
2: classic. That's, That's is... a timeless wrestling storyline right there. We want to talk about dark
0: side of the ring. Somebody should bring up these things. This is <laughs> <laughs> WWE, ladies and gentlemen.
2: WWE. When people ask me, they say, why are you an NWA fan, Will? <laughs> I feel like this list can just point them that direction. Cause you'll never uh, see any of this garbage on there.
0: <laughs> uh, Caleb, this list was by a website called Goliath. Goliath.com. I was searching and like I legitimately didn't not enough people write mothers lists about professional wrestling. I gave so. you
1: I gave you four or five. I gave you four or five today.
0: <laughs> you can give me four or five pictures. Or Will, four or five Uh, pictures, so he could set them up. You don't know
1: how to Google Magnum TA Nikita contract signing? (laughs) Maybe the... It's
0: not my fault! (laughs) (laughs) Next up on the list, number five. We're going to run right into the lovely Dawn Marie. There she is. Do you remember this? Uh, If you thought that it doesn't get worse than fake rubber hands or miscarried demon fetuses. Uh, There's, I feel like I'm just like rubbing Rob the wrong way this whole time. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Let's talk about the strange case of Don Marie here. As you can see, she tried to seduce Tori Wilson's actual father. This is Tori Wilson's real father, Al, Al Wilson. Does anybody remember this? Uh, She was trying to mess with Tori's head, presumably, uh, but it lasted for weeks. Uh, had terrible acting uh, al wilson is not an actor um and uh, along the way we saw don persuade tori into an implied lesbian experience by promising to stop her pursuit of tori's dad uh there was so there was numerous uncomfortable makeout scenes a uh, lot of al wilson naked flesh on television and uh Anyway, I don't know. In the end, what happened? Don Marie married Al Wilson on an episode of SmackDown, and became, you guessed it, Tori Please. Wilson's stepmother. Happy Mother's Day, Don Marie. Uh, yes. Despite only, she's only a few years older than Tori, and uh, and it didn't end there, by the way. In case you were wondering, Al happened to die on his honeymoon due to too much sex, uh, and so you had. That lead into the first ever stepmother versus stepdaughter match. And uh, just like you might have guessed, like most other things on this list, it was terrible. So there you go. We've officially run off. We've (laughs) run off Ryan. (laughs) He's like, I want to make like, may young's baby yeah. and head out handout
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh anyway oh, all right boy. well it's good seeing you ryan thanks yeah. for being here uh, ryan murphy says company up north does really bad soap operas and gives bad porn movies an even worse name you got that right uh they got more of a plot than this. And then randomly, by the way, this list though, it goes right back at number four uh, to an actual, just, a, just just another wrestling mama. It is sweet Soraya, the mother of Paige. You know Paige? And she runs her own wrestling promotion over there. If you ever wondered what JBL was talking about when he referred to Paige beating her old mother to win her first wrestling championship when Paige was uh, on SmackDown, well... That's true. Suri- Sweet Soraya Knight. Uh, she started ri- wrestling in the early 90s for World Associations of Wrestling, uh, which was her husband's promotion in the United Kingdom. Uh, she would also appear in North American women's promotion Shimmer and Shine. Uh, she would bring her own son and daughter into the business, both teaming with and fighting against Paige, then known as Brittany Knight. Uh, in fact, Soraya still wrestles to this day while also helping run her husband's promotion. Um, as well as their offshoot female wrestling company, uh, both located in England. Meanwhile, you obviously know who uh, Paige is, and her son and stepson also wrestle on the independent UK circuit as well. They are a legitimate UK wrestling dynasty. Also, fun fact uh, that I'm sure Rob
1: would bring up if I didn't. Uh, don't don't bring it up. Let me bring it up. <laughs> All right, you bring it <laughs> up, then, something. Rob.
2: Give him something. Drop
1: it is uh, it is uh, the Soraya Knight that is the the wife of Ricky Knight, whom uh, uh, the Knight family that is the very Knight family that trained our current uh, world's heavyweight champion Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis was trained by the Knight family um, and currently sits at day uh, eight hundred and thirty second, eight hundred thirty two of one of the most <clears throat> decorated, illustrious championship reigns in history. Day eight hundred and thirty two. Nine th- nine thirty two. My bad. My bad. Oh, what? what? are you doing over there? <laughs> I'm over here <clears throat> watching. I'm them, them sidetracked. But uh, yes, it is the Knight family that is the uh, that has uh, deep, deep, deep ethereal connections to uh, the National Treasure, Nick aldous <clears throat> There you go. I knew that had to come up. So <laughs> so well placed at number four. I have no idea
0: what the lo- logistics of this list are. That they go from like a couple of actual mamas to like the most ridiculous things in motherhood ever on wrestling to another mama. And here's another mama, which comes in at number three. Uh, this is obviously we're back to weirdness again, but it is mama Benjamin. Shout Benjamin. You all know him. Incredible college athlete, great professional wrestler. Uh, he was doing his own thing and, uh, WWE actually looking really good in WWE. But with that said, uh, he often struggled with his promos. Apparently, was one of the reasons he got held down. Uh, he didn't have like much of a character. He was just a really good wrestler, and uh so they decided because uh, this is WWE again we're talking about. Uh, that they wanted to give him some kind of hook, and so what they did was they hired a comedian by the name of name of Fia fidel and uh she played shelton benjamin's mama uh who they refer to as mama benjamin the role uh had her play like a fairly stereotypical and uh probably racially insensitive uh part as a large angry black woman uh who would distract the referee and her son's opponents in order to get shelton to pick up victories however uh it really didn't help shelton further his career very much instead it kind of just made him a comedy wrestler in a way um looking back and uh rather than the skilled actual competitor that he was my mon- mama benjamin was written off tv in about three months after her debut but for some reason she's number three on this list mama benjamin ladies and gentlemen so you guys have a fond uh memories. Yeah,
1: it was was entertaining. I didn't, I didn't hate this. Like I hated that. This was not offensive. Like, uh, like some of the other stuff was, this is more comic relief, you know? So,
2: well, it's just one of those things that to your point, I mean, you know, I've always been a huge Shelton Benjamin fan and they've done this to so many people. I mean, I remember they did this in the last few years to, um, Bobby Lashley, where they did a segment and you know, apparently it was his sisters or something like that, but it wasn't really. And it was just, you know, it's, it's this mentality like that you just summed up where it's like, Oh, they're not, you know, getting over like they should be for some reason. So we've got to like either turn them into a comedy act to generate interest yeah. or write them off. And it's like, you know, a guy the caliber of Shelton Benjamin obviously doesn't need Something like that. So
0: in right, WWE, they right. just can't accept like the idea of somebody just being like,
2: "Oh, hey, we're just a sp- being a great wrestler.
0: <laughs> he's just a really good wrestler. Yeah, he's you imagine that bad and a good wrestler. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like guys like Benjamin. Bobby Lashley don't need other things. They're intimidating and oh. good. And so
1: if you're if your premise is that your audience is not capable of following good wrestling and a you know, uh, a reasonable storyline, then you're led to doing stuff like that, you know. But if your premise is that your audience is intelligent, likes prize fighting, you can follow a a legitimate, credible story centered around championships, then you're not going to see that so much.
0: Doc, I'm glad you said that because it does make me wonder. uh, Speaking of, like, credible wrestlers, like really good professional wrestlers, uh, and then giving something that uh, they don't need. I wonder your thoughts on our number two entrant here. When we talk about the legendary performer known only as Marcus Alexander or Buff Bagwell, and when they introduced his mother, Judy Bagwell, uh, one of the most infamous mothers in wrestling. Uh, She made waves on and off screen in WCW and WWE Uh, She was the real-life mother of Buff Bagwell. This is not fake. Uh, She made several appearances on WCW programming. Each was probably more ridiculous than the last. Uh, At one point, she was one half of the WCW Tag Team Champions after Rick Steiner made her her his partner to replace the injured Kitty Chaos. And in fact, she was never defeated for that belt, by the way. So this is pro wrestling history. She's never defeated for that belt and it was stripped from the team when Steiner went down with an injury. Later, Bagwell would be seen hanging around backstage at WCW events, supporting her son, which led to her being hit with a canyon cutter and becoming the object of the completely ridiculous Judy Bagwell on a pole match between Buff and Canyon. And yes, they really did call it that. Although it was actually a forklift, not a pole. Uh, as you can see in the pictures there, they, uh, I think the logistics, no matter what Vince Russo wanted at the time, and I'm pretty sure that was Vince Russo at the time, uh, they couldn't put Judy Bagwell on a pole, an actual pole. Uh After WCW folded, Buff was uh, signed by WWE and his mother, too, to become part of the invasion. Uh, but uh, he was, or actually, no, I guess it was just Buff. And then he was fired shortly afterwards. Uh, and the reports, if, you listen to Jim Ross on his own podcast. Uh, he, it was, it was amidst the reports that he literally had his mother call Jim Ross to tell him that buff did not feel good. He was too injured to compete on house shows to which Jr. allegedly replied. This is the last conversation you and I will ever have about your son because he is a man. He should be calling me, not you. And, uh, that is, uh, Roughly about the time that Buff Bagwell's career ended in the WWE. And uh, there you go. Judy Bagwell, former WCW tag team champion. And uh, perhaps, perhaps the most famous mother in pro wrestling history, if not for our number one. But uh, let's take this time. Will, as a tag team guy, this is obviously important pro wrestling history. <laughs> Doc, Yes. As a, as a uh, as a fan of wrestling in general, obviously, you've gotta give big props to Judy Bagwell. Uh, guys, want to add anything to this? Uh,
2: no.
1: I, I will. I will say that. See, th- th- like this era of, uh, especially in the latter years of the WCW, it's not as though, it's not as though everything that was going on was terrible. You had a lot of good stuff going on. Like Lance Cade's emergence, Booker T was like really hitting his stride as a singles wrestler. There's a lot of things that I really cherish from that time. But then there's part of it where it's like the WWE and WCW were trying to out asshole each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're trying to out freaking ridiculousness each other. And this is one of the Buff Bagwell never needed that, by the way. Buff Bagwell is a fine talent, great body, good mic skills. Look great. Had, had a phenomenal run with uh, um, with uh, 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 Scotty Riggs as the American Males, and I know that's something that he doesn't look back on right now so favorably. But uh, I think at the time it was a pretty good looking tag team that that really a lot of the younger fans liked and all that. Buff Bagwell never needed that kind of angle to get himself over. He was charismatic. He. I've, a lot of us in the chat here have seen Buff Bagwell and have met him and all that, and uh, but this is again a low point. Like many of these mother stories, you got so many good mother stories that aren't appearing on this list that that uh, um, <laughs> you know. We didn't, it's, have, it's we a didn't shame. have pictures. Well. I mean, we got. Maybe you (laughs) could
0: tell us those after this. I okay. Listen, I'm sorry that I'm the frickin' Howard Stern of the show today, but I just, (laughs) I'm just trying. We're adding some spice to the Mother's Day episode of the live show, (laughs) so here we are.
1: (laughs) No, no, I mean, you got to talk about it. I mean in in the history of the sport in prize fighting, you don't, you know fighters whether they be men or women don't bring their mommies into the ring typically. They do it it's 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 a it's an extraordinary thing when it happens. But when it happens and it's done well, it's pretty cool and I can think of three instances in which it was done well and we'll talk about that later, but uh, uh but uh these other ones are just they're just you know, they're just like, "Hey, look, we're not getting we're not we're not getting by well enough on on the wrestling product, so let's pull this Jerry uh Springer stuff into it." So
0: all right. Well, uh, let's take a look at the number one mother, and we can finish off my disagreeable list uh, here from <laughs> Goliath.com. Sorry, Goliath. Sorry, mothers everywhere. Um, all right, but number one, Rob, you got the idea. We'll oh gosh, I'm, I'm sure
1: it's I'm sure it's Linda McMahon getting slapped or 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 something. Well, it's just the so memorable mother. Look, it's just Linda yeah, McMahon. Okay.
0: Look at her. Yeah. Now the controversial aspect is some people think that based on her acting ability, that Linda is actually a robot that was created by Vince McMahon (laughs) uh, so that he can pretend he has a family. But for a time, if people remember during the attitude era, which we've got a uh, picture of right up there, uh, you know, Linda was seen as like the only sane McMahon for a little while. Uh, she was the voice of reason. She stepped in when Vince became too worryingly tyrannical. And uh, Shane and Stephanie, Stephanie were like endlessly, they just like bickered and switched sides back and forth. Um, but, you know, I don't know that anybody ever got really excited to see Linda on TV. She wasn't like the most charismatic man by any means. Uh, but she also, she often, for a while, there was like the, the chance that the baby faces were going to have it up against the, uh, the evil McMahons. Uh, but anyway, ever the dutiful wife of mother Linda has somehow remained married to Vince, uh, despite the ridiculous plot where she suffered a nervous breakdown and ended up in a medically induced trance while Vince made out with Trish Stratus in front of her. Uh, eventually Linda left the WWE though. And, uh, in an official capacity, at least. And she ran for U.S. Senate. Losing, I think, each time she ran. Uh, anyway, but now she's the head of uh, Super PAC, I believe, or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so she's she's got her own political aspirations. She's doing her own thing. But she was uh, a big part of the WWE as a member of the McMahon family. So there it is. Linda McMahon, the number one. Memorable mother, and that actually feels fitting. That seems okay. Good, glad you guys agree with me. <laughs> and uh, uh Patrick yeah, Griffin says Jim Cornette's mama should be number one.
1: You know, at the head of a pro wrestling empire, uh, Linda McMahon is a is a is a capable matriarch to that family. I think that she's best when she does that. And and is worse when she when she plays a role, um, you know, in the ring because she is an able businesswoman, very savvy mind. Again, she's been involved. She served in President Trump's cabinet. Uh, again, she's been active politically. She's a very charitable person. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, when she when she's involved as a as a as a personality, I think that's probably her her least favorable look, uh, as it were.
0: Could have said it better myself. Now listen, I've got to pee, so I'm going to go oh. pee real quick. So, to Rob, will we'll just wait. Chat.
1: We'll sit here like we'll be like we're well, we'll like dang, man. Stopping.
0: and I feel like it's just yeah. like silence for a minute. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what else.
1: Me and uh, me and me and Will be like, dang, dang, Gary must have had to go to number two or something. All right. <laughs> He's taking him. <laughs>
0: I'm trusting you. Don't burn anything down while I'm gone.
2: You can trust us, man. You can trust us. He doesn't trust us. All right, now let's Rob, get real. Now let's get yeah, real. let's talk Come about on. the real stuff. Rob, tell us about the real top moms of pro wrestling.
1: Man, there there are three or four storylines that uh and not even necessarily storylines. I mean, you think about in the history of wrestling, things that even weren't storylines that but but the public knowledge of them echoed or reverberated into the wrestling ring. And I think about like uh Rick Flair with his with between Beth and Leslie Flair, and eventually how even though Leslie and Beth had marginal roles, um on the screen, how that, you know, the suggestion of, you know, children coming from different marriages led to on screen animosity between Reed and David Flair and the Flair daughters. It was very natural. It wasn't necessarily scripted. It seemed like a, you know, it seemed like a natural progression that you might see in any kind of prize fighting, you know, where this plays off. And then how do you account for the, you know, the fact that, uh, that, the Flair girls and David uh, don't see the eye to eye or, or that kind of thing. And it's a, it's a simple feature of the fact that you're talking about the children of Leslie and Beth Flair, you know, or uh, and so I think that that's uh, an appropriate story. Now, obviously I've said it. This is one of the ones I was thinking of when I mentioned the top three, Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette for years was able to put his mama over and we never saw her. Not once. She was always a fixture. She added to his persona as the mama's boy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, she hired, you know, Jim Cornette. It was Jim Cornette that hired uh, um, uh, Mr. Hughes and, and uh, you know, his, his bodyguards and this and that. And Jim Cornette was always thoughtful about how his mama was going to uh, uh, apprehend what he was doing and her concerns for him and that kind of thing. And for years, throughout the, the, the mid 80s, mama Cornette was very much a part of the narrative, even though we never once saw her not one time, you know? And so there, there, you got a feature where you're not reduced to, you know, rubber hands and, and, you know, people doing unrealistic things like giving mama's pile drivers in the ring or or that kind of thing. That just, is not believable. You know, in the eighties, when I saw Jim Cornette talk about his mama, I believed it. Like, I believed it. Like, like I believe my yep. mom was real,
2: you know what I mean. And it's one of those things too. That's like, as an NWA fan, that that's how the Mama Storm thing felt, you know, because it was just part of 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 Tim's narrative of who he is as an athlete, a competitor. You know uh, that that he's he's the honorable guy, man. I mean, he is fueled by love for his mama. You know, we can relate to that. All of us can relate to that. And it's one of those things that. You know, and, and that's I see, you know, where Gary's coming from with, you know, you throw Danny deals in a wig into the mix and it gets a little it gets a little convoluted. But I mean, that's that's another example, though, just in line with what you're talking about with Cordette, where it's just, hey, you know, the 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 mom is an important part of, uh, of a character's development of, you know, your love for a competitor and um, get it together, Gary. Where are you going to go? you going to go down there you going to go?
0: Well, you know what happened was I, I started to put myself up there in the normal spot, but I was like, does it seem rude that I just came in? And I'm like, now I'm up here. And so <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll just
1: stay I, down. I don't, mind being the, I don't mind being the foundation. That's true. Yeah. Cornerstone.
2: That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind being over here uh, on the right. I didn't mean to
0: interrupt you guys' conversation. I Y'all apologize. got the flanks,
1: man. Y'all got the flanks. Now just to recap real quick Gary we pointed out the just the some of the, some of the ways that mothers have played in that but that have not necessarily occupied screen time like we get the animosity between Reed and David Flair going back to the fact that they're from different mothers Linda uh, I mean excuse me Leslie and Beth Flair and uh, although they 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 do appear on screen it's it's only in the most marginal of of capacities but this adds to a very credible uh, familiar, uh, you know, family str- uh, strife and struggle within the Flair uh, family. Uh, and then, and then we talked about Jim Cornette, who for years was, you know, Jim Cornette, refer- you know, his he was a mama's boy. And, uh, and whether he had, uh, um, Mr. Hughes or I can't remember what was a uh, big boss man's character when he was his bodyguard, he had a number of bodyguards during the Crockett days that Mama Cornette hired to defend him. And but we never see her on screen at once. It just fed into the notion that that Jim Cornette was this privileged, pampered mommy's boy, who wasn't going to be able to make it with the with the big dogs, and it just added to like why we hated him so much. And then Will pointed out that the flip side of that is you get, uh, yeah, Big Bubba Rogers. Thank you, Patrick Griffith. Big Bubba. Uh, uh, Tim Storm is the opposite side of that coin, where Tim Storm is the all American hero, right? He's he's not appealing to mama for security or help. He's fighting for things that we all honor, like apple pie, like the American ideal, our mothers, you know, and he 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 does what he does because he loves mom. And then Danny Dills, yeah, it was an unlikable skit. But really, when have we seen Mama Storm? We've seen her during Carnyland when she gave a great interview. And that's pretty much it. She's not been drawn in. Every time that she's been drawn in, it's been Danny Dills Parodying mommy storm or mama storm to get under Tim Storm's skin, and then when Tim Storm exacts judgment on Danny Deals, it makes it all that much more worthwhile. You know what I mean? But My for me,
0: Danny Deals was being a, a sorry uh, being a dick about it. Uh, it was that it was that everybody else acted like it was Mama Storm, and Tim Storm was the only person <laughs> that was like what what is happening like joe galli well, david marquez it's, because it, it's, it's because like because gary oh, Mama storm and like somebody let her because, into the building somebody brought her in she made it past security she got in and it was just like i'm tim Storm's mama <laughs> and everybody was like oh it's obviously
2: tim Storm's mama but gary's over there going like is it though because they're acting like it is is it i don't know what to believe <laughs>
0: I was just like, no, everybody in the company is betraying Tim Storm right now. Somebody up in the booth at the time with Legata and Corgan was like, oh yeah, Gally, that's uh Tim Storm's mama. That's that's who that is.
2: And and this was before <laughs> we we do we do have to mention this was before the incredible interview with the actual mama storm from Carneyland earlier uh in in the year in 2020. Uh, which was awesome, which was heartwarming for everyone They got to see that. That was one of my the highlights. The highlights of uh NWA post post-COVID was definitely that that uh, mama storm interview on Carneyland. That was really cool.
0: To Rob's point, the, the reason that Mama Storm works is because she you know, like he said, he's appealing to like a different side of, of humanity the part part we can all relate to i mean when you tell us the story about her working extra just to pay the bills and you know she didn't give up it was worth it and that sort of thing and that, that's what inspires him and keeps him going that's all stuff you you feel it inside if you've got a soul and uh so that's different by the way in real any kind of athletic competition most importantly probably in, in like uh, a combat sport. That's probably the only time the mama should be involved. Is like a person, you know, a son or daughter. That's just not giving up because they've had a good influence from their parent. Uh, So, you know, less ridiculous than uh, Judy Bagwell.
1: Right. Well, then we have uh, a couple more stories. We have uh, the Jim Crockett senior Memorial cup where uh, the wife of, Jim Crockett senior Mrs. Crockett. And therefore the mother of Jim Crockett junior comes out to present the million dollar check to the road warriors. um, And then in subsequent years to the following teams that won that, you know, that's uh, an honorable um, representation of a mother as a matriarch of a promotion uh, coming out. We see lots of honorable representations. We see like uh, obviously the, the incomparable Mickey James and, and, uh, her role uh, as the, the, the queen of that family of wrestling royalty, the mother, mother of Donovan Aldis and the, the uh, wife of Nick Aldis. But probably my favorite uh, of all mother stories in the history of wrestling has to be uh, the story of uh, Marion Allen, who um, in May of 1986 accompanied her son to a contract signing. This was a contract signing for a title match. Marian Allen, of course, is the mother of Terry Allen, who you may know as Magnum TA. And the contract signing was against uh, Nikita Koloff. Now, why was Marian Allen there? It wasn't because she needed to be there. It's because he needed a, co- a witness to the contract signing, and that's who he had to support him. Nikita had his uncle there, Ivan. Magnum TA had his mother's there, mother there, Marian. And at that contract signing, Nikita Koloff makes it a point to insult uh, Magnum, saying in a, in in, uh, in Russia, women know their place. They're out there doing this. They serve their men. But here, you know, she's out here in fun. What are you, some kind of mama's boy or something? You can't speak for yourself. And um, in retaliation, uh, in defending his mother's honor and his own honor, Magnum T.A. leaps across the table, begins to pummel Nikita Koloff. And in the process, uh, Bob Geigel, the NWA president gets roughed up. It was very b- believable at the time. I, I c- entirely believed it. I still believe it, you know, and as a result of that encounter, um, Magnum TA was stripped of the U S champion. Now this, is this is at Magnum TA's height. He was the heir apparent to the nature boy, Ric Flair. Some might consider the greatest NWA world's champion of all time up there with Luthez, Dory Funk Jr. and perhaps Nick Aldis. He was at that pin. He held that championship that made him the number one contender. And Nikita Koloff was the threat. This was in the height of the Cold War. He was the Russian nightmare challenging the All American champion, the US champion, Magnum TA. And as a result of that encounter, Magnum TA is stripped of the championship and it's held up. And the way that this is determined is in one of the most legendary series of matches, a series of matches that presaged several other series is like the seven levels of hate for the NWA title later on between Adam Pierce and Colt Cabana. I mean, the mythology just pervades the history of the sport. And as it turns out, you guys can go watch these matches. Uh, Nikita Koloff, the scourge of of America, would go on to win that championship. But in another uh, heartwarming story, uh, at the end of this series in 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 the real world, uh, Mandy Koloff, the wife of Nikita Koloff, passes away tragically uh, through Hodgkin's disease. And this and this becomes the catalyst for Nikita Koloff making that a very emotional uh, turn, that change of philosophy to become Magnum TA's greatest ally and the ally of Dusty Rhodes. And and uh, later on, Nikita goes on to remarry and has two beautiful daughters of his own. They're featured in uh, uh, Preacher's Daughters, I think, a series that was on A and E or something like that. But uh, uh, but anyway, this 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 involvement of, of Marion Allen to me is the greatest, most appropriate involvement ever of a mother in pro wrestling history. That's my two cents. You know, I'm just a doc. I'm taking house calls all week.
0: I actually that that appeals to me, but I I I'm being straight up. I don't know that storyline very well. Like I, I don't, you know, like I just, just highlights of it, what you're saying. I mean, I'm like, I'm aware of it, but I, I didn't watch it like you did. And, and it, it makes me want to go back and, and get into that, that it, uh, it's pretty interesting. Like I, it sounds like a fun.
1: <laughs> so you got to imagine a man like Goliath putting that list together. He's obviously knowledgeable about the sport, why would that story not make the top 10? <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. Like, to me, that's number one. Why does that yeah, not crack the top 10?
0: I, I, I think with time, things are lost. And that's one of the things. I mean, and I'm not saying it's like completely lost. I mean, I just mean that this is this is one of the things. Like, this is one of the things we're trying to do over with our uh, history podcast. It's like to capture this kind of stuff. Because as time goes on, I mean... You know, we, we've even talked about it in our history podcast that there's there's these stretches of time where it's like, uh, um, you know, this guy knew this guy, even though they were like technically from two di- different generations of pro wrestling. And like, I guess what I'm saying is, it's just like, as time goes on, this kind of history just starts happening faster. Things are going to start like popping up quicker, <laughs> like in... If that makes sense, just like with technology, like once it starts evolving, everything starts evolving faster and faster. Technology just like blows up, and uh, it's the same with with like pro wrestling history. It feels like now, now there's so much. There's just so much to take in, so much to consume, and like you gotta, I don't know, you gotta you gotta educate yourself on the highlights of it and stuff. But I think modern fans, for a lot of people just coming in. It's uh, it's tough to know about what highlights they should go back in, and check out. I love that you highlighted our old –
2: Thanks,
0: Rob. <laughs> 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 Good to know where Rob's head's actually at. Yeah.
2: While your Gary, was, while Gary now, was reacting.
1: Your, the Atlanta Braves are now playing 500 baseball, baby. Back on top.
2: Back on top. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway i'm just saying this is why we got you doc is to remind people of this exact kind of stuff this is what you bring to the table uh these storylines and and you know what's going to be really important is as we go as more crap happens in pro wrestling uh th- these these actual good storylines need to be preserved they need to be told the, they need to be passed down and not be like me and past continue the legacy of Mae Young giving birth to a rubber hand. <laughs> but I'm sorry, whether you like it or not, that's also getting passed down. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, if That's going to be part of the discussion at some point. But we need to make sure that even though when we have fun with... Uh, dude, it's like... Uh, we're talking about the attitude era and it's like it's easy to crap on any era of pro wrestling because there was always some stupid stuff happening somewhere um the attitude era did have good stuff too there was legitimate wrestling feuds and fun wrestling happening it's it's like if you took AEW right now and you took it from the start till now and all you wanted to focus on was the exploding barbed wire death match like that that thing it's like, yeah, that was a bummer that uh, that did not pan out well. That's not all AEW's done, you know. Like they've had some legitimate no, no, good wrestling no, no, matches. It, it, it,
1: you're you're right. I, I'm not. I, I'm the last person to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, even on our our TikTok, I, I throw up wrestling history every day, whether it's NWA, AEW. On the on my on my personal lessons, I ch- tend to highlight the NWA, but there's monumental history in all of them, and there's some very vibrant things going on. Uh, in the WWE during the Attitude Era, I mean, we've got the rise of Eddie Guerrero, one of the great stories. You know, we've got uh, you got a lot of stuff going on in, in those days. And uh, it, it, um, I mean, Eddie Guerrero comes in after that, but you got a lot. I mean, the, the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin is as you know one of the as the great heir to the tradition of Hulk Hogan. You got a lot of stuff going on. So I'm not throwing out the baby with a book. But, but when you go back to the days of yore, the the days on wrestling really was great. And you look at storylines that were dumb today, they seem plausible to me. For example, like tomorrow is May the 10th. That, that is the day that Bern Gagne retires as the AWA champion. He held the title for 4,667 days or something like that over the course of 10 reigns. The second reigning champion was Nick Bockwinkle. How does he go out? He beats Nick Bockwinkle, and then he retires a champion. Ten days later, they put the belt on Bockwinkle as the number one contender. That was scandalous. In those days, that was like, "Hey, you don't just put the belt on somebody." That, that was what stretched the imagination back then. We've gone from you crowning a champion without a tournament, without trying to establish linealness in those days, to now we got rubber gloves coming coming out of women's vaginas, you know, <laughs> at, at, or, or their birth canals. That's I gotta say, to be to fair, in.
0: that's not happening now.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs>
0: I think I think we like peaked out at the Jerry Springer esque. Type stuff, and we've slowly, like, I'd like to think we've reeled it in a little bit.
1: We, we, we have reeled it in, but we still have uh, people being immolated in the ring, you know, set on fire, uh, as though that's believable. That's a good point, you know, and and, and so it's not like the the plausibility factor has not been reined back in. Maybe maybe it's a little more tasteful if you want to call immolation more tasteful, which I guess it is. I mean, I think there's more of an honor <laughs> to, but. Sadly it is but but it's not like it's not like you know in there it's not the same Gary I mean what what was what what we considered questionable back in those days and I I see Ricky Dona mention Larry Zabisco, Larry Zabisco going on uh, week week after week refusing to thin the title or Rick Flair getting himself purposely disqualified that was ridiculous in those days now get, every once in a while you did have RoboCop show up but that was the exception to the rule. <laughs> now it's like everything is like, you know, uh, you know, setting on fire match. People are dematerializing in the ring. I mean, it's like, nah, man, it's not the same. But, you know, where it is going on, where the lifeblood of wrestling is, it's in Ring of Honor. It's in Mission Pro. It's in TNA. It's in NXT. It's in, uh, uh, you know, uh, MPW. It's in, most perfectly, the NWA. And, and so the sport's not dead. It's it, it, there, there, the, the life is there. It's just those big, big time proponents of the sport are really, you know, just rehashing implausibility and just shoving it down people's throats. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a far cry from where the sport used to be.
0: I, ca- I guess I, I kind of was thinking that he, I, I see what you're saying. And, and, and so like the, the ridiculousness has taken, uh, the driver's seat right now. Uh, We're
1: normalizing um, ridiculousness, normalizing
0: it. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I was, I think my point was going to be, it's like, Oh no, good, good stuff still exists, but it does. But you're right. It's, it's not accepted. I mean, it's, it's the reason you've got like a guy, like, I don't know, 10 years into his career in WWE. Cesaro's finally being recognized as like a competitor in WWE, apparently, (laughs) and not like a joke figure. (laughs) it's like this dude's been f- fantastic the entire time <laughs> he could have had a two-year yeah. run as a legitimate competitor now just now after you've run out of everything else to put him in you're like oh yeah he's actually a really good wrestler we should you know try to use him as such and uh right. yeah it's weird but that's the trouble man it's like wwe got this spot sorry mothers somehow we got into this whole discussion but uh <laughs> WWE got into the spot of being the top company and so they are the definition of what pro wrestling is apparently you know like or at least for like I guess mainstream audiences but but it's far from the only thing that exists like there's so much good wrestling out there. There's something for everybody, literally like, I mean, whatever you want, there's something out there for you. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, obviously we are on the exact same page that NWA perfectly, uh, encapsulates it. And I was not trying to rip off front row here in the chat is saying we live in an incredible time in pro wrestling where there's so much good stuff out there and something for every taste. No, it's just also that front row and I, uh, also see eye to eye on a lot of things, I don't even mm-hmm. want to hate on WWE because I know that they have legitimately good wrestlers. They have some good stuff going on. Like Roman Reigns is legitimately one of the best heels in the business right now. And he should have probably had been for like the past five years. But luckily, they finally he's finally there. But no, that guy's great. And uh so they, they got good stuff. They have good wrestlers, but they also continuously miss just miscast people. And it's weird with them too, because I don't, sorry if I'm, you know, I broke out the whiskey, so apologize if I'm running on a tangent, but you mentioned Eddie Guerrero earlier and it got me thinking about for some reason, my mind started spinning about, you know, also weird is that they went so long with Hulk Hogan being the top dude. And it was like, and, and then it was like the attitude era where you got, Finally, you got characters that actually captured people's imaginations like The Rock and Stone Cold and that sort of thing. But women were objects. Women were bikini babes and like, let's do broad panties matches. They finally evolved it somewhere in there. Uh, At a certain point where Japanese style, Lucha Libre, like all these other styles weren't welcome in WWE. And all of a sudden, eventually, there was this segment of time where there was this, what were they? The SmackDown seven or something. I think is what they called them. And it was like edge and angle and Benoit and Guerrero and uh, Mysterio. And like, they were like, this is the best wrestling you can find in the world. Anywhere is right here on SmackDown. And it's these guys having every freaking week, outstanding matchups. And then the women started coming along and then the women were coming up and they got like where they are, Sort of getting into like the Sasha Banks and the Becky Lynch and the uh, um, Charlotte Flairs and the lead up into that media where Becky and Ronda Rousey could have made a vented. and then all of a sudden, somehow, somewhere, it feels like it like took a step back. I don't know. It's weird with WWE right now. I don't know what's happening with them. I I realized that was a tangent. I apologize, but
2: it's just well you're you're spot on, man. It's just, it's the, it's, it's inconsistent. And that's one of my things with WWE and you guys are exactly right. Like you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's good stuff there. I mean, I watched both nights of WrestleMania um, this, you know, past month and man, there was some great pro wrestling moments in that. I mean, you know, returning to live crowds uh, that scale. I mean, You know, regardless of where you sit on whether or not that was smart or the best decision, I mean, it was still just cool to have some of those moments. And, yeah, there was low moments where you're just like, that doesn't make sense. This is insane. And it's like the inconsistency of it. And, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we've landed on, you know, focusing on a wrestling promotion like the NWA because, you know, while there's stuff that happens, that's not our favorite thing. You know, we're talking about Danny Deals wearing a wig and pretending to be Mama Storm and everybody, you know, selling it. There's, there's still more consistency across the board. And the same thing is true for the promotions Rob mentioned, the Ring of Honors, the, you know, stuff like that, where it's like there is and, – and I love Rob's, you know, use of the word plausibility. Like there's a plausibility to it. I mean, because at the end of the day, we're in this because – we're fans of prize fight pro wrestling you know and so when you have it's like whiplash in wwe and i get that they're more concerned about entertainment and that they want to have something for everyone i get that i can appreciate that but at the same time you're going to alienate a lot of your audience because it's like the ones that appreciate the prize fight aspect of drew mcintyre versus bobby lashley are not going to appreciate the fiend and this giant Jack in the box and Alexa bliss with some black oil running. I don't know what was happening in that match. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're kind of willingly like giving everybody something and pleasing. No one almost. Does that make sense? Like, I just don't think there's a lot of overlap in those types of fans. So, I mean, you know, I work in marketing and so I look at things from that perspective and I'm like, okay, I can understand trying to, make everyone happy but that's kind of a stupid goal you do better if you pick a target audience and you make them happy and create loyal ambassadors out of them and so yeah wwe's got a ton of fans because they've been around for years and there's some people that'll just watch it no matter what and they'll laugh at the stuff that doesn't make sense but they'll keep watching and you know I guess that's working for them. I mean, you look at their revenue and I guess something's working out for them, but you know, it's just not for everybody.
0: If I, if I could say something really quick too, like I see in the chat, like people talking about uh ring of honor. Um, you know, I see James H Jackson Jr. Saying ring of honor is my favorite show overall. Mark's review. So, Hey, Mark, good to see you, buddy. ROH is great. I love their pure division. Um, and and ricky donna throwing in here i think njpw roh and nwa are the top three promotions i actually probably like fully agree with that but uh, the uh I, I don't think there is a perfect promotion right now like i mean people want to crap on the nwa for anything that's inconsistent or aew or whatever i think everybody's got their things it's a weird balance uh Like with Ring of Honor, if I could speak on them for just a second, I mean I freaking love Ring of Honor. Like, I love their pure division just like you guys do. I think it's fantastic. Do I think that the pure division is actually the only thing they need to do and they would like succeed just with that? I don't know. I don't I don't think they would because I think that there is something to be said too for getting invested with characters and ring of honor has uh like they're really good at wrestling and they've stepped it up during the pandemic that they have those like what we we often refer to as like the 10 pounds of gold segments before each match uh, leading into it so i gotta i gotta give props there because i think the nwa started that but that's just me but anyway um they they do these like segments leading up to the match, and that's very good. That's all like UFC style stuff, but eventually that can get same samezies. Like if it's just if it's just like you can't distinguish the competitors. Like you can't find like yeah. specific things to latch onto that you love about them. And I'm not saying they suck. I'll take I'll take that over the fiend burning in the middle of the ring any day of the week. I'm just saying that's another thing that they've got to consider is that ring of honor is great, but you can't also just get by on there. There's like a balance with pro wrestling. It's, it's a unique thing.
2: I think there's always like, just if you're into strictly just prize fighting, then like, you know, there's UFC and boxing, you know, I mean, wrestling professional wrestling, has to have that added layer of character development, storylines, things to grab your attention. I just think there's a fine line between like creating a compelling story and like some kind of fantasy fiction, you know, like thing, you know what I mean? There's just, there's a fine line there. And that's, I think that's what we're, we're talking about.
1: Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I agree with everything you're saying. But with, uh, Gary, when you're talking about, you don't think there's a, a perfect, promotion. And but I agree, but I don't think anyone's looking for a perfect promotion. I think that's like arguing against a point that nobody's making. It's not, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, we got a lot of good promotions out there. And then you can kind of orient where good's at and you got good and bad, you know, or or, or more appealing and less appealing features of each. Um, and you just can't find a good promotion until you find, until you line up every story that represents what you're going through, what appeals to you personally as a human being. Um, but I think so to Will's point, I think obviously in wrestling and to a degree in UFC and boxing, you do have narrative there too. I mean, I think that's part of being, you know, in simulated combat sports, but that's just it. Wrestling is simulated combat sports. And when we go into, you know, the Marvel live action universe where, complete human plausibility is suspended, then we're getting away from the sport aspect and more into comic book and caricature. And that's, and, and there is, don't get me wrong. There is an audience for that. I'm not saying that that's terrible either. I'm just saying for me and for the audience that we appeal to for the people, for the, for the lost fan that's drawn back to the NWA and to ring of honor, that's what we're missing today. And that's where we're getting our thirst, Quenched by these promotions was because the WWE and AEW are going to do this. They're going to serve a lot of really great wrestling content, a lot of like implausible story stuff that might be great for some audiences and for kids and stuff like that. But for those of us who thirst after Luthes and Vern Ganya and Nick Bockwinkle and Ric Flair and Dory Funk Jr. and Nick Aldis, and, and you know, we're going to find it in these promotions. This is where our flavor's at. So I'm not here to say that. One's better than the other, as though I'm the authority on it. I'm just saying when it comes to what we have traditionally embraced as the sport of pro wrestling, what the NWA and Ring of Honor is doing, and to some extent NXT, what they're doing is much more related or is a close has a closer kinship to pure wrestling. And I don't mean to to to, to create a pun there with what you were saying, Gary, but to pure old school prize fight wrestling, the wrestling that's rooted in George Hackenschmidt and William Flagg, uh, uh, that's what I'm talking about, Well, that makes to, sense.
0: To, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I guess I should clarify that when I was talking about Ring of Honor, uh, I did not mean to click on that again, Ricky Donna. I don't even know where that comment is. All right, found it. Um, the, uh, uh, I guess what I was trying to say, was it – uh, I wasn't trying to pick on Ring of Honor for like not being perfect, and there needs to be a perfect promotion. So much as I was just saying that like nobody is perfect, and uh, I I think that was my actual point. Is just like there's 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 different things that people could do better i haven't seen a perfect promotion in it and i don't think that anybody's arguing that there are but i guess maybe deep inside i felt like i was piling on wwe for too long and i was like all right well i see ring of honor mentioned over and over again let me tell you what i think about ring of honor real quick and, and some faults i find like or the concerns i have for like what they do as well just as a wrestling fan uh it but to what you're saying too another point you brought up there when you when you brought up the Marvel cinematic universe, I actually had this point and I know everybody's busy. So everybody can't be a part of the discord and have this conversation, but I brought this point up the other day about, I finally got to watch AEW from this past week where they did the blood guts show and MJF and Chris Jericho were on the cage and MJF pushed Chris Jericho off the cage and Chris Jericho landed onto a table that was clearly padded uh, underneath the, the, the stunt, crash pad and so it was this whole dis- debate online where people were like this is bs like it's a crash pad and this is you know like and then people being like well what do you want him to do you want to kill himself like he's falling through concrete like you know like what what do you want to see like blah, blah 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 and my point of the discord was i was like it actually got me thinking when i watched it i was like uh even with aew i'm like First of all, they shot it as a a silly angle. I don't know why they shot at the angle that they did that you can clearly see there's a crash pad there. Like if you're going to do it, like don't shoot it so that you see there's clearly a crash pad. Um, but also I was thinking like, you know, my type of pro wrestling is, uh, there's not that scenario in the first place. Like that's not, that's not what what would happen. That's (laughs) it. And, uh, So it's like, if your idea of pro wrestling is that you're supposed to suspend your disbelief, it's like, everybody's chasing that high of Mick Foley falling off the top of the hell of the cell. But I'm like, you're never going to get that because Mick Foley freaking flew off the top of the hell of the cell and there was nothing to catch him except a wooden table. And, you know, it didn't really catch him very well. And it's like, and you can't do that anymore. And they realized that eventually they're like, we got to dial it back or try to, and, um,
1: but it's like you can you can get away with that once a generation jimmy snooker did it you know um and that you know that match and then of course mick foley very well could have died doing that very well could have died 100 I mean, he lost teeth you know so uh and then but then we get into this contriveness about it it's like come on dog, you know obviously i don't want i don't want to your point i don't want jericho i think jericho is one of the greats and he's doing pouring his heart out for the business in the best capacity that he can right now in the company that he's in and what they're requiring of him. But like you said, Gary, and the kind of wrestling that we like that doesn't happen in the first place. Maybe once every 20 years it doesn't. And people talk about it until they're on their deathbed. They talk about it, you know, but
0: Yeah. It's tough. It's tough because, I mean, it puts you in a scenario where you gotta... There's the people. It already feels like, for me, that the debate became like, oh, what should they have shown? What shouldn't they have shown? Like, what should... You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, well, anytime somebody asks me like, how you like wrestling? You know, it's it's not real. And my go-to argument is like, yeah, well, neither is place sure your TV show or movie here. Like, you know, the Avengers isn't real or whatever. And it's like, but you suspend your disbelief. You accept the rules of that situation. Professional wrestling always is supposed to be simulated combat sport, and the the idea that they work themselves on top the top of the cage and MJF is just going to throw Chris Jericho off to his death, like or whatever, you know, it's just like, man, you know, maybe this isn't. I don't know, like it it just it just feels like to me like maybe this isn't the situation you even go for. There's other ways to get the same emotional reaction that you're hoping for, because what ends up in that match for those who haven't seen is like MJF's like threatening to throw Jericho off and the inner circle surrenders to get him to not do it. Then he throws Chris Jericho off the side of the cage. But I feel like you could get that from something else. A steel chair shot or a something something villainous that you don't have to go like that insane with it,
1: man. There was a time in this sport when you use a chill, a a steel chair in a match, there were going to be fines, investigations, and suspensions. It was a big deal, you know. It was like a big deal, and and man, I 100% agree with you. There, you know, Marvel Universe is the suspension of disbelief. I've seen this brought up so many times. conversations about pro wrestling about well that's not real neither is marvel but you watch it the thing is that that marvel is marvel though marvel is not sappy chick flicks you know marvel is not old 80s westerns although it's close to that you know marvel is not marvel is marvel it is a genre and pro wrestling is a genre it is a genre and and it start. it's getting so big that it's branching out and and genres are being confused here which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's not a moral problem with that. It's not, unless we get into some of the ridiculous like mother's day storylines we were talking about early, that's fine. No people would taste for that. I'm just saying that as far as I'm concerned, wrestling is at its best when it's less people believing man, was that real? I mean, did that golly when, 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 the four horsemen, when Ole and Arn Anderson attacked Dusty Rhodes after Dusty Rhodes intervened to save Ric Flair from Nikita and Ivan Koloff, it took them an hour to get out of the cage. You know why? Because 100 fans surrounded the ring and wouldn't let them out. It took them an hour to get out. People believed it, you know? And this is not a call for, like, poor security, but it's a, it's a, it's a call for more believability. You're not going to see people surround the ring like that in a WWE show. No one really believed that the fiend was consumed by flames and he's gone. Maybe a two year old did or a, a six year old, but if they're allowed to watch that, but well, it, you know, it's that's re- the tough
0: part is is like exactly what you're saying is like Marvel is its own genre, and when you want to try to compare, and if you're like, well, uh you know like uh marvel's not real and you suspend your disbelief for that but yeah that's a different universe that's a different world this is this genre and this is supposed to be combat sports these guys competing for belts belts are important you want to be the best you want to be the champion you want to you know that sort of thing at no point should you be questioning like did this guy decide he's also a murderer like on live television
1: like (laughs) why why in the world why in the world does fight tv have Nick Aldis come on to offer analysis on Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Unless they believe or are trying to make the case that what we're talking about, the, the insight we're getting is the insight of a prize fighter. Not a superhero, not a comic book star, but a prize fighter who plies his craft in the ring under gentlemen's rules for the sake of a championship. You know, that that's what I'm talking. And that is just my preference. That's just my preference. But I think it's a preference that's rooted in history.
2: Yeah. And I'll say like it it also affects, you know, as I was talking about earlier about even like WrestleMania was a great show. But like when you muddy the waters here and there, you end up muddying the waters across the board. And so you mentioned and like I remember growing up, man, like having those moments like you mentioned with Nikita and, and Magnum T.A., where like, you know, I was like, dude, that's real. They hate each other. This is there. They need security. And they're like, this is, this is an assault. Like this is a real thing. This isn't like simulated. And the reason you don't have that is because the waters get muddied. And so it's like, like, I could think of modern day examples of of this for me personally, even as a grown man watching professional wrestling, when I, you know, watch, like I said earlier, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, never for a moment did I think like, oh, these guys really hate each other. Like, really? And I should really like have some genuine investment in this match. For me, it was like, oh man, I want to see where this goes, you know, from a, just the same way as I'm when I'm watching a movie. And, but when I was watching Ring of Honor regularly, I was kind of having different feelings. I mean, seeing you know, guys like Vincent and Mike Bennett and, and Matt Taven having their kind of fallout and knowing the history that those guys have and them tapping into the realism of like, this guy was in his wedding. You know what I mean? Like there were moments where I was kind of like, Oh man, like, you know what I mean? Where it wasn't hard for me to like, really accept this as like a thing that was really happening that, that, is is actual prize fighting you know what i mean and so that's just the difference in you know because ring of honor is also not asking me to believe that a guy is getting burned alive and is also not asking me to believe that then he comes back from the dead and you know they're not asking me to believe all this other stuff so it's like i'm in a different mindset when i'm watching that it's the same way obviously with the nwa where you know everything we see like is plausible like it's, it makes sense, you know, from every perspective. And, and I mean, yeah, it's not perfect. And there's no, to Gary's point, there's no perfect wrestling promotion. But there are those that it does make it a lot easier for you to buy into what's happening and actually get invested in it and have that same emotional reaction without having to burn somebody alive or without having to throw somebody off of a, of a giant steel cage.
0: Let me let me say oh, something man. really quick, bringing the chat into it. If I really sorry, Doc. Uh, Look, I just I just want to throw this in there, uh, bringing the chat into it. I I just want to point something out that to 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 what I'm trying to say too is like front rows here saying I feel like there were a number of production fails during Blood and Guts that took away from the great in reaction <laughs> capturing Jericho blading on camera for example, and uh, and Ricky Donna pointing out the they keep blaming the AEW wrestlers for those types of botches, but it's a production mistake and. Uh, James H. Jackson Jr. said, Jericho can't control where the camera is where when he's in the match. And uh, he says, I'm going to spin this around and say that Jericho, as the regional, should always know where the main camera is at all times. Front Row says, Jericho's a 30-year pro, needs to know how to work around the camera, but the camera has to be in the right spots for him to do that. It's 100% production inter- uh, issues. And my point is, is that none of that should be the conversation coming out of that show.
2: Boom. He's <laughs> it's
0: like, not one bit of Nailed it. You
2: shouldn't have to do that.
0: It's a, it should right. have been. MJF just did the most despicable shit you've ever seen in a pro wrestling show, and I hate him, <laughs> and he is the worst person that ever existed in the pro wrestling industry. He should be fired. He should be fined, suspended, whatever you got to do. Somebody should step up. MJF is a piece of crap for what he did to Chris Jericho. That is not the discussion. The discussion is, what should production have done? Should you have shot it this way? Should you have shot it this way? And it's like, that's all missing pro wrestling. That's what drives me nuts. It's like, no, MJF just effed over everybody. And he just screwed Jericho. And he just injured Jericho on purpose. And it's like, that should be the freaking point. (laughs) It's like, but none of that is the discussion.
2: And here's my other, my other kind of beef with this whole conversation is that in my opinion, wrestling is a spectator sport that happens to be televised, not the other way around, not a television program that you can go watch live. I know that because of the, the, the lucrativeness of TV deals and stuff like that, that's how it's viewed nowadays, but wrestling at its core all those storylines that rob just mentioned those were those were were created for a live crowd and there would they just had a couple of cameras to capture it so that other people could watch too so that the audience could be larger and nowadays we have that flipped it's like we're going to create a tv production we're going to create a movie and we're going to sell tickets to it because if you're relying on a camera angle to sell something that happens what about everyone in that crowd they don't, they're just seeing it from where they are. Do you think they're not walking away going, wow, that was dumb, you know? So, uh, you know, to your point, if you're relying on camera angles being perfect and things going off technically without a hitch, are you putting together a great wrestling show? And, and, and,
0: and, and just let me, let me say too, just for you guys in the chat, I'm, that's not me crapping on you. I'm just pointing out that's the discussion I see. And, and, my roundabout point is that that should not be the discussion and it's not your fault. It's the discussion. It's their fault. It's the discussion. Why did you create a scenario where that could possibly be this, the discussion? It's, it's, that's AEW. And I'm not, I'm also, again, I'm not trying to crap on AEW. This is WWE. This is a lot of different promotions. I'm just saying like, why you got to do that? Why you got to try to be so over the top? Why you got to be Fast and the Furious? You're not Fast and the Furious. If you want Fast and the Furious, you can go watch Fast and the Furious movies. Like, why do you need to have a stunt show? You're supposed to be a pro wrestling show. And so now you've turned it into yeah. something else where, where this is the kind of discussion that's happening. And that doesn't have to
1: be the case. I mean, you think like, like how good the NWA does this, man? How, how good have they consistently done this from the Lightning One iteration all the way back to the days of Crockett and even before that. We think about Dusty Rhodes being followed to uh, the Crockett offices by uh, the Four Horsemen and being jumped in the parking lot. What many of you don't might not know is that they nearly took out warrants on Arn Ole Anderson and Tully Blanchard for that, like for real. They nearly took out warrants on that because it was so believable. Like They thought he had just gotten assaulted. Uh, in the parking lot. Okay. That was, that was the crazy event that happened. That was how much your belief had to be suspended. Not much. When you look at the uh, uh, parts of the pandemic shutdowns, the most like remarkable topic in the NWA in, 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 in power and so forth. And, and you might have a different perspective on this, but for me, like the biggest story was Nick Alda showing up with the belt at ring of honor, like, oh my gosh, like that is a big story. And that's a believable story. And nobody has to be in on that, on, on that story to like, to me, that is like big time. He's showing up with the belt to make a statement at ring of honor, to proclaim himself as the king of wrestling. And, and that, you know, to me that when, when, you know, the, the NWA asks a lot of us, it asks a lot of our attention, it ask us to buy into the Greek myth and to and to be intelligent and to follow a story, but it doesn't ask us to to suspend like reality when it comes to its its narratives. Don't tell
0: me it doesn't work. We still get into arguments weekly on Camille freaking spearing Tim Storm. Don't tell me it doesn't work. That still pisses me off. <laughs> Don't <laughs> you don't f with Tim Storm. That man is a good man and a hard worker. That's
1: they. That, there they go. There they go. That's <laughs> they one.
2: Rocky Marciano.
0: Rocky Marciano. Nobody has to
1: fly <laughs> through the
0: top of a building or like become Iron Man or any of that crap. I just right. care about Tim Storm, and you that's don't it, f him over. <laughs> and that's, that's that's what that it's might to actually.
1: Be. That might actually be the biggest story. I was I, I wasn't thinking about that. When you think of like all the show, probably the one story that eclipses that is that. And that is believable. It can happen. Have you guys seen Camille in life? She's, she's of the, you know, she's the real deal, man. <laughs> that She's mm-hmm. capable of hurting, putting a hurt on somebody, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, my and my point is, even, even on a smaller level, like, you know, the stuff you're talking about, these are big stories, these are headlines, which in, in a lot of ways you do have to have to thrive in the wrestling world. But even on, on a smaller scale, I mean, we had the privilege of being there, you know, for this last round of tapings, and, and I was able to be there for... Um, the live back for the attack show In, in the studio it was my first time in the studio It was an incredible moment That I got to share with you guys And nothing transpired on screen That didn't transpire live it, So what I mean is like When I went back and watched the show That broadcast on Fight TV There was nothing different about Like, like because I was there live I didn't see anything more does that make sense? Like, and I know that might sound counterintuitive. You want people to go live, but the point is like, I didn't get like a, a behind the scenes peak because I saw somebody climb out from under the ring or I saw them setting up for an angle or something like that. It, it was the same. I saw the same show sitting in the studio that you guys saw watching on fight TV and that's how wrestling that's should be. Point. And that's how it was. And that's how it was, you know, Back in the day, I mean, when you went to a wrestling show, it was just you getting to see live what was going to happen, what was happening. So, you know, that's my point. And I can't say the same for the WWE or the AEW shows that I've been to live. Great shows, great experiences. Rob, you there? But. uh, (laughs) I wasn't trying to like
0: step on what you're saying, Will.
2: No, but there's always like something. There's always some random thing where you're like, oh, yeah, I saw them setting up for that. Or it was obvious they were going to do this, you know, or something like that.
0: (laughs) Rod Gibson threw up in the chat, which is what I threw if uh, you're (laughs) listening to this later on the podcast version. he said I threw up the chat and it's blocking Rob's face, so I apologize. But uh, (laughs) Rod Gibson says, as as for fantastical character (laughs) development stories, though, I have to admit when Josephus and the spiritual advisor showed up at Tim Storm's daughter's house, I gasped. I could, I believed it in that moment. And my point is, it's like, that's like, you're talking about fantastical character development stories, but that's like fantastical based in reality. Like Josephus lived that stuff. With Josephus, God bless Joseph Hudson, because that guy, when he was the question mark, he was the question mark. He never was not the question mark. Ask anybody he worked with, ask those of us who got to see him in person live at the signing table, the merch booths, everything question mark was question mark. Question mark never took a second to say like, Hey, what's up? Let, let's like, that guy believed in it next week's interview or the coming week's interview is going to be with Matthew Mims. And, uh, he's an NWA. Uh, he's a newbie, but he's been there since day one, first match. Like he's been there, but, he will straight up tell you a story of working independently with Josephus when Josephus was wrestling against Josephus Brody. We get into a discussion about Josephus and the discussion backstage was you don't look him in the eye. And he had a buddy who looked him in the eye who didn't know better. And Josephus could not break character and could not break that. That was the rule was that you don't look him in the eye and went after his buddy. And Matthew Mills will tell you that story. Like, intimidated the hell out of this guy because it's like you're gonna respect that i am not the man that you hang out with and you play with and he's like i'll, I'll let matt Mibs tell the story on the show but essentially like josephus was never not on like that you right. saw him in a in a wrestling situation josephus was always josephus
1: no, that's true. Uh, I can speak for that personally. Um, uh, some of you may know that that um, in the last year, Josephus and and myself and my daughters, we we became personal acquaintances. We became friends. He even says he says that on a couple of podcasts. I'm not just making this up. But the funny thing is that whenever we corresponded with him, when we corresponded him as question mark, we always talked to question mark. Even 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 though he knew we knew and we knew that he knew. When we, when we talked to him, we addressed our mail, you know, we always wrote him and I've got postcards that he sent us upstairs that are sent from Mongrovia, And it's in, it's as question mark. I mean, it was like, he never, never, I mean, I believed it, man. (laughs) You know, this is a person that I knew, you know, that was a friend of mine. So
0: it's, it's weird. Like, I mean, I think it sounds weird to people now or like people don't expect that to be there, but he cared about that stuff. Like he, and yeah. and and Ron, you you mentioned fantastical character development, but I mean that was based in reality, like that's legit. Like, I mean, as far as if if this guy is this who he is portraying on TV, this is not above what he would do, and it's not like he's the fiend, he's a lunatic cult leader, like he's you know, whatever he is. Like this is something that person would do, and so that's all still believable. You could accept that. Like when the four horsemen break Dusty Rhodes arm, uh, it's like, well, they would probably break Dusty Rhodes arm. Like that's, that's not outside of the realm of possibility. This is not setting somebody on fire and killing them in the middle of the ring. This is, we're talking about different things here. Like this is, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just uh, I don't. I don't want to sound like an old fogey, but like the the more and more we go along, like I get guys like Jim Cornette who, hey on, who are so passionate about what wrestling was supposed to be, and maybe Cornette takes it too far. I'm not. I'm not going to argue that. Maybe he's not open to any other evolving uh, uh, in the, in the sport, but you know.
1: I mean, there's a reason I mean, I for this, that. The sport must evolve for sure. We're it has not talking to evolve. about this. It has to evolve, but, but where is the evolution taking place? The evolution should be like when, you know, people are products of their time, culture, and space. And so when the sport evolves, it's not the sport. I mean, boxing, the sport of boxing, and the sport of baseball, they've changed, you know, they've evolved with the times. I mean, but if you're watching baseball now, this is my favorite sport uh, aside from pro wrestling you can go back into the 1870s and 80s and watch this game and recognize it as the same game you're watching today. It's not the, it's not necessarily the essential, it's not the essentials that evolve. It's the accidents that evolve. What is essential to the sport remains the same. What's accidental to the sport changes and what changes is culture, times, trends, uh, perspectives, you know, uh, cultural conflict, those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, the sport, as it sport, should should remain very familiar to people if it's going to be true to itself, but the personalities and the issues, you know. Right now, I, I, let me give you a good cinema illustration, Gary, because you do cinema shock. Um, I'm always intrigued by you like call how it cinema schlong. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, my students are probably watching at this early hour, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But uh, uh... they've said schlong.
0: I promise you.
1: Anyway, um, if you look at like Batman, right, in the character of the Joker, the character of Joker in his various iterations always takes on the the spirit of the age, right? Like in the past, the Joker has been a criminal mastermind, and then he's been this and that. And today in the the latest iteration, in a time where we're we're very conscious about mental health and so forth, what – Personas his Joker take on. He takes on a person that's obviously got mental health issues, and that's his primary struggle. It's not necessarily a problem of organized crime and wanting to, you know, rob banks and this and that and be a, a mobster. It's you know he's 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 got mental health issues, and 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 so the the character, the essence of the character is the core is the same. It's the same Joker, but over time we see that his the evolution has imbibed the spirit of the age. And I think that's when what we're talking about, when we, we need to see the evolution of the sport to keep it relevant, it's not changing the essentials of the sport. It's changing the themes of the sport. You know, what makes it relevant to the current consumer. Um, and I think again, the, the brands that do it, do it best like ring of honor and impact and the NWA and NXT to a degree, I think they do it best. They're imbibing the, the spirit of the age, but maintaining the essentials of prize fight wrestling. Well, and, and Ricky,
0: Donna, you're pointing out here, I love Cordy, but I disagree on some of the, what he says about wrestlers. I'm not saying like I 100% believe in like everything Cordy says, and I also would never speak like Cordy does half the time. But I will say there's a reason those guys hang on to those ideals. There's There's a reason because what they're concerned about the world's become too black and white. I, I, I hate to say it, but it feels like everything's just like, uh, you're either for this or against this. And uh, and generally, by the way, if you tell me I'm either with you or against you, I'm against you. Uh, just side note, because I'm just like, you, you don't get to do that to me. But uh, the, uh, the thing is with... Uh, was like what cornet cares about is like the realism of wrestling the acceptance of it being a legitimate combat sport that's what that guy's talking about and sure he's unable to accept some current acts in these ways when there is an obvious elevation i mean for instance let's just uh, again i don't want to go off on like a huge tangent but like it feels like he has a problem with like smaller people like the people that are going to beat the hell out of somebody i was like i feel like when the ufc came around we learned very quickly that that's that doesn't mean anything hoist gracie is not like the person that you feel like is going to beat you up in the bar a hundred like 10 out of 10 times i would have taken hoist gracie over kid shamrock in a fight and i i'd probably lost both times but I would have really lost against Mm Hoist Gracie. Like he would have broken my arms or something and my legs and all of that stuff. And Hoist Gracie was a very tiny man compared to Ken Shamrock. It's like that part doesn't matter. Like it, you know, you got to get over that. Like Daniel Bryan is a legitimate competitor. Daniel Bryan could tie somebody up. It can happen. And uh, so there's like those aspects. I feel like some, some older guys have a problem wrapping their brain around, but what I do think that they have a problem with that 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 is legitimate is like there's only so inside you can get before you've gone too far. You're through the uh what's the what's the word? You're through the through the not through the looking glass, but uh you Time know, you yeah, you're like you're you're like the, you're so far <laughs> in it, like you can't come back. And like it's just it's just you know, I think they're worried about that part of it. And there there's a thing that separates pro wrestling and it's a delicate balance between it being pro wrestling and that restaurant medieval nights you go to where you go watch the the knights compete in their competitions and stuff it's like there's there's a there's a balance somewhere in there
1: and uh so anyway uh i mean the the truth is stranger than fiction and so when when wrestling delves into true human interest stories it's so compelling it's much more compelling when they delve than, than when they pretend to delve into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because the, the truth is stranger than fiction, man. That's why I love history. That's why I got my degree in history. You know, one
0: hundred percent. If if whatever they could do to make you question, like wrestling is at its best when it makes you question, like just just what is actually happening. Like, wait a minute, do these two guys hate each other? Well, when when I was growing up. My parents used to always say, uh, I remember when I was young, they would say, like, oh, wrestling's fake. Let's well, fake? But then my mom would tell me, what's well, fake sometimes? But sometimes they get really mad and they start fighting. And it's just like that kept the illusion alive. But that was like a, I feel like a common thing. I don't know. But my parents legitimately believe that. Or like sometimes they, no, but sometimes they do fight, like, because they're pissed off and they, they, like, go at each other. Like, you need that. You need that, like, little bit of something in there sometimes. That's why I respect a guy like Nick Aldous, who suffers no fools. and doesn't give a damn what you think about him. And if he doesn't like you on Twitter, he will block you. If you say the wrong thing at any times, you're cut off. Like, he doesn't care. He doesn't... It doesn't matter to him. Because he is Nick Aldis, and he is doing Nick Aldous things. And you're either along for the ride or you're not, and he doesn't need you. And you don't have to like that. You don't have to be on board. <laughs> like, cause that's, that's pro wrestling. That's what it's supposed to be like. And uh, Josephus, same way. Joseph Hudson, God rest his soul. That was a man who believed in, you know, whatever you give me, I'm playing it to the as farthest extent that I can play this. In reality, right. I'm going to be this guy. And he did it every single time. There, There's something to be said for those people. And, and I know it sounds crazy. Like you live in a world where everything's like supposed to be. You see behind the curtain on every little thing. And I'm not saying you can't know be- some behind the scenes stuff. We obviously do with movies and we still like movies. But it's also pro wrestling has to have some sort of something that you respect about it yeah
1: 100 man
0: all right well uh i feel like talk long enough i've rambled on do you guys have anything to add to this conversation before i like wrap this thing up
2: no i lost audio in all honesty like my my head headphone went out for like the last two and a half minutes so i was just trying to like nod but I, I'm sure I agree with everything you said, Gary.
0: What creepy thing about you, Will, that I noticed while I was talking and I could see you is that your ear keeps flashing purple. And it was really yeah, weird. Well, it's,
2: <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> it's, these, it's, it's these earbuds when I first oh. turn them on and there's like a little light on the top. It's like blue, purple or red. And the purple is like the noise canceling or something like that. I don't know. But it starts – so like as soon as I take it out and put it back in, it like starts flashing. But, yeah, like my whole ear lights up. It's kind of wild. But that's funny.
0: You guys talking about ROH in the chat. I, I still – by the way, like I said, I would 100 times take that over setting somebody on fire in the ring. ROH, when those guys get in the ring, you believe it. Like they yeah. wrestle. Mm-hmm. They go at it. Like they they try to – they try to fight for it. If you listen to the, not to shamelessly self-promote again, but if you listen to the Tom Latimer interview, he straight up even says the guys he likes wrestling. Uh, we, we talk a little bit about that as we get further past all the heavy stuff. He talks about, he he mentions Drew McIntyre, uh, Bobby Lashley. He mentions, um, uh, what's that guy? Jackson Riker. He even mentions him. He, even, he mentions a, a few different people that he's like, I've been in the ring with them. And you have to legitimately fight them to do what you want to do. He's like, they will not just go with whatever you want to do. You better make them do it. And he's like, I appreciate that about pro wrestling. He's like, when I'm in there, I want the guys that make me wrestle you. Like, even though it's what it is, he's like, it's a match when we're in there. He's like, Drew will work with you. He, he, he says this in the interview, but uh, you know, and you could go get the better story for him, but he's like, Drew will work with you, but you better make Drew work with you. Like, he's like, you better go after Drew because if you don't, he will walk right over you. Like, cause he's not just the guy that's going to flop around and just be there for you. Like you got to make him do the stuff. And you could feel it when Tom talks about it, that it's like, it's a different thing. He, He's like, there's there's these guys that just they're still tough. They're still fighting. They're still like they want it to be as real as they can make it. And uh Drew Galloway, Ricky Dada. He's talking about Drew Galloway slash uh Drew McIntyre. That's who he's talking about. Um, but yeah, he 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 describes Drew as like one of his favorite people to wrestle. That like that Drew wrestles hard. And he like makes you <laughs> makes you compete with him, and really? uh anyway. All right, fellas. Well, I guess we're gonna wrap this thing up. Thank you guys so much, Ricky Tana, front row, Ron. All you guys, thank you for being here all the way to the end. There's people, James A. Shaxton Jr. Uh, anybody who's not saying anything, I know you're out there. We see the numbers on the chat. So I know people are watching that aren't even saying anything. So God bless you. Thank you for hanging out with us. This helps keep our numbers up. So we look at Sunday nights as just a time to chill and hang out with fellow wrestling fans and talk about wrestling stuff. Front row. God bless bless the nation show. Can I just say, we would have been stranded in Austin, Texas if it hadn't been for the nation show so go hit subscribe on their channel too because they have a youtube over there they do great interviews they got a lot of mission pro stuff coming out so if you like mission pro women's wrestling you gotta check out the nation show but listen here's the story i have this hat right now i think i probably i'm I'm sure i've told the story if i have it good if i have sorry but this 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 hat it's for Family Business Beer Company. Part of the deal was we went to Austin and we went out to Dripping Springs, Texas, which is Woo. the home of Family Business Beer Company. This is for my wife because Jensen Ackles owns this brewery and uh, he is uh, from Supernatural and all of that stuff. Thank you, Scooby, by the way. And uh, so we, we got an Uber out there and we couldn't get home. It started pouring rain. We're standing on a patio. We were never panicked because we were surrounded with beer, but we were drinking. And then we were just like, it's time to head back. And we Ubered. And Uber just flashing, searching for a ride, searching for a ride, searching for a ride for 30 minutes. We hit lift. Somebody hit lift. Like, all right, lift. Searching for a ride, searching for a ride, searching for a ride. ah, like, oh, okay. Well, this is troublesome. And so Doc calls a cab company, like the nearest cab company. And they say, where are you at? Where are you going? Okay, $120. bucks. we are like, geez, Luis, like that is too much money. But wh- what else are we going to do? And uh, so we say, okay. And they're like, all right, well, hold on. I got to call you back. So then we wait and uh and then they call back and they're like never mind we don't have anybody. And we're just like what the hell are we supposed to do? We're in Dripping Springs, Texas. Our place is in Austin, whatever. I texted Front Row and I said, "Hey man, we're stranded at this brewery. Like I don't know what we're going to do." And uh luckily Front row says, hold on. And immediately after I get a message from Tony. And Tony. uh yeah. And Tony, part of the busted open nation, hits us up and he says, I drove my truck down here. Do you guys need a ride? And we're like, We'll pay you. Yes, we need a ride. <laughs> we need to get back. And he's like, won't accept payment, coming to get you. And he drove all the way out to Dripping Springs, Texas, picked us up, drove us back into Austin, would not accept payment. We offered to uh buy him all the beers he wanted, anything he wanted at uh Mission Pro Wrestling at Pinball's Kingdom. The guy like took like two beers
1: off of us, and that's all he took. Bud lights, too, man. Bud lights. Like we <laughs> we, were, we 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 would have bought him anything. We'd have bought his dinner. We we want to take care of this guy. And he's like, Man, just get me a Bud Light. Tony Adams. That guy. Good man.
0: Busted up a nation. Good people. Subscribe to their YouTube. Uh, the They they really are the best. The, they're our friends, legitimately. And we would still be sitting at this brewery right now if it weren't for Tony Adams. <laughs>
1: they're coming to pick us up. it it's just been like, I guess we live here now. <laughs> I don't know. No, nah, go... Go over to the Nation Show and give them a like and follow, too. They're doing good stuff over there, and they really are like-minded people. They're part of the hashtag NWA fam, and uh, we're indebted to them. And we were indebted to them before this, and we were already tight, but uh, they just show uh, repeatedly how uh, how great a, uh, a group of guys and gals they are in front rows always representing them here. So uh, shout out to the Nation Show. Fantastic group of people.
0: Oh, they were hanging out. They got their love over at Mission Pro Wrestling. They were hanging out with Mark Henry over there on the side. And uh, shout out to Front Row, who introduced me to Mark Henry. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, I didn't want to ruin his time by talking his head off. So I just did the fist bump and was like, hey, man, I like you. And that is our discussion. (laughs) So, but anyway, met Mark Henry. Thanks to Front Row. So, uh,
1: him, All I said to him, I gave him a fist bump, too. And I was like, hey. Remember that thing with May Young? You the man. You the man. <laughs> I was
2: gonna say, Jen, about, did you Just go back
1: hand child. You, the <laughs> man. you pay a child support on that? You pay a child support on that hand? Let me give you. Let me give you a hand with that. Uh, <laughs> booyah. yeah
0: All right, thank you guys so much for hanging out. That's it. This is Will Martin. This is at. This is Gary Horn. That's at. That. This is Doctor Sisson. We are at TIPW Show on everything. God bless you if you've been hanging out with us you boost our YouTube hours and we're legitimately just here to hang out with you. Hopefully uh, the chat, we included you enough and you enjoyed the discussion. And uh, we legitimately love you guys. And yes, Rod Gibson, that shows how close the wrestling community is. Good story. That's the best part about this. This is what we do. The Sunday shows for it's just for this wrestling community because we all look out for each other. We take care of each other. We believe in each other. And uh, so that's it. Thank you so much for hanging out, and until next time, you assholes enjoy your gravy cake.